0: Show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic.
1: The Rundown is a weekly news show. But it's more than that.
0: It's a family
1: of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement.
2: You cover church news politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving youth perspective no one else can't.
3: The Rundown is not meant for children, because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown, to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith
4: today.
5: Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media.
6: RestoringTheFaith.com One thing to rest, I may be a practicing Catholic, I used to go to 7.30 mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke, Andy knows this.
7: somewhere where the glory is where the power is it may be a big cathedral or it may be in a little storefront somewhere one where the preacher's got something in his soul but where he's got something in his heart he's got something in his spirit he feels the power of God
6: More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half of the women in, the, in my administration are women.
3: I've got an idea <laughs>
7: Right, let me show you baby. That ain't no woman. It's a man man.
8: Jewish space lasers at Jewish
9: base lasers see. Jews in space. In Jews we'll in space, the protecting the Hebrew race. We'll in space, if trouble appears, we'll put it right back in its place. We'll get on him a smack, we'll slap him right back in the face. Hitler,
10: 1924, Vienna. Ducks. Hello, chummy. Growing a tesh? Yes, a tiddler. It fairly suits you, so it does. Where's tricks? Why, I don't know, Gerbils. Tricks ain't been so good recent, or they ain't got nothing. Why, I ain't sold a in painting for yonks. Ass, is it? Aye, that's right. What are them things? Them's his windows, you dark nana. Yeah, you want to join them bits up. See? There, that's better, ain't it? Why, I don't know. I ain't never not gonna make it as a perishing painter. Why, I'm so poor, I ain't enough lolly to launder me own shirts. I could listen. It's nigh on positive black. Cheer up, chummy. Someday there might be a market for black shirts and dodgy windows. Who knows? 1933, Berlin. Lever ducks. All right, gather round japs. Glad to see your dodgy windows coming handy, chummy. Well, this you, the chummy gobbles. It's Fuhrer now. Now, here's a map of Europe, what I've drawn. Oh, looks like a bunch of flares. Oh, looks more like a man with a pipe to me. Upton it, Gary. Now, we're in Germany and. Blimey. What is it, Fuhrer? Funny, I thought I had two. <laughs> now, see this here? We're going to take the perishing lot. What? Even that gumboot with a tree growing out of it? Yes. England will be an odd nut to crank. But cranker we jolly well will. he bib. I, I that. I
7: oh, oh, <laughs> as I was saying about the border question. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Just a matter of detail. Mayor formalities. <laughs> Strawberries. Pardon me, have you a English mustard? English mustard, your That's say, the hottest stuff, huh? Very hot, Oh, good shape, good shape. Cream. Cream direction, say. Eh? Now, key, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to make this very simple. This is the treaty. You agree not to invade Astovich, I agree not to invade Astovich. We sign of the treaty, then I remove my troops from the border. Good. In other words, when your troops are off the border, I sign. That's all right.
5: Very
7: good. Huh? Oh, just a minute. <laughs> you don't understand. First, we sign of the treaty, then I remove the troops. Sir. Precisely, I sign when your troops are off the border. Just a minute. air spoke treaty. Hold the list. Now, look, you assign us a treaty of first, then I remove the troops after. Well, what are we arguing about? You just said I'll remove the troops of first. Well, you don't expect me to sign while your troops are there on the border. You don't expect me to remove the troops until you assign. Why not? Why should I? Why shouldn't you? Austerlitz is a free country. So? Your soldiers are there on the Austerlitz border. And they'll stay there until you assign as a treaty. you take them off or I'll blow them off. Gentlemen, this won't get us anywhere. Strat- Strat- your Strat- Excellency. Strat- to quote a old Latin... Chavail, Strat- fluke! He's alright. Speak it to him. Thumb uh, to shut his... Door. Thomas.
10: We well, where's I a Sandwich? Well, give me another one. Can't we sit down you and discuss this I'm a jester here. Nobody talked to action. me in my own joint like that. ask you, can't we sit down and
7: discuss this thing without passion? I am another passionate. I am a justice. that's all. I want to sign the treaty I remove and the troops. It
10: can't you done. understand? What would my people think, signing such a treaty, when your soldiers are there on the Austerlitz
7: border? I will not remove a soldier until you are signed. Huh? Not until you clear that border will I sign anything. Then are my soldiers remain. Then uh, I kick them off want to move from you a hinky and my artillery take us like this and pull you to pieces. yes and my airplanes will bomb your artillery like that you want to start a world the war i'll get you one you and the world i'll throw in the ocean Gentlemen, please, please. <laughs>
11: Oh
3: boy, welcome to the Rundown, broadcasting live here on YouTube channel, and simultaneously uh, with our radio broadcasting partner, the Crusade Channel, crusadechannel.com. Media the way it should be. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting for a certain gentleman to join us tonight, and we're waiting for him too. He'll be here momentarily. Until then, you're stuck with us. So, uh, and no, I'm not speaking of James, James is also joining, but there's another gentleman who you're all waiting for, and we're waiting for him too. But he'll be on shortly. Um <laughs> top story, top story this evening. I never thought that World War Three would start over a damn balloon. I never thought that, Ryan. Hey, come, on, mustache. Today today. come
9: on,
3: <laughs> <laughs> You know, I saw a meme today on the Twitter. And it said that America is a corpse that's rotting with maggots eating the rotting, right? And no better analogy.
1: No, I don't think there is. And somebody else gave an example, too, of, uh, well, you, uh, you let your kids be turned trans and and by the kindergarten teacher and you have uh, sent all your resources to Ukraine and uh, you're sitting there eating bugs and you wonder why you're terrified when a a balloon goes past, you know, sort of thing. Um, But there's something else that's going on here too. I have a different take than other people do on this. um, I look at everything that's going on and I wonder, is this actually a Chinese spy balloon? I'm actually... Uh, trying to bring this up right now, just it's on my phone. I got to get it up onto somewhere where I can access it. Um, to bring it up on the computer. So, besides, you know, it's a Chinese balloon, everyone's terrified. Oh, look, Chinese balloon walking around and government doing nothing about it. Well, if that is the story, well, that's kind of a a microcosm of what's been going on for quite some time in terms of if you go back to the Clintons and the amount of Chinese espionage that went on during the Clinton you know, era and nobody seemed to care about it, was totally OK. Um, or again, you know, under the Bush era with Abu Dhabi and Qatar and and Saudi Arabia. Again, those connections, those links and nobody seemed to really care all that much about it. Um, so now Biden in China, and Biden is uh, heavily invested in China, heavily tied down into China. So it really wouldn't be much of a surprise if they were just kind of letting this thing go. And I wouldn't also wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if somebody got up in a hot air balloon and got actually got close enough to shoot to take a shot at it with civilian arms I mean, at the height that this thing's at. That would be kind of difficult. But if you could do it, what they would do to the guy who did that, which would kind of you know give you an indication of exactly what's going on. But I think there's something else. So this is kind of my theory of what we're looking at. Um, and this is Fox News coming to you via archive.is. Pentagon testing mass surveillance balloons across the U.S. And so the U.S. military is conducting mass surveillance tests across six Midwest states using experimental high-altitude balloons. According to documents filed with the Federal Communications Commission, blah, blah, blah. And I can go through the rest of the uh, article. It is archived at... Um, archive.is, so we don't give Fox any any clicks. But, uh, you know, as they go through, you know, start describing the, the type of stuff they're doing. And I almost wonder if, if there isn't a bit of a sigh up here with how they've how they've released the information. Oh, it's China and everyone's scared because it's, it's China. But if it was the U.S. government doing it, what would most people, most people, especially most normies would be like, yeah, well, whatever, you know, it is the government and they've got reasons, I guess, even if they're doing the very same thing. Uh, You know, similar stuff with like TikTok, it's either worried about TikTok stealing your information because it's a Chinese company. It's like, well, what about all the American companies that do the exact same thing? Oh, no, that's okay. Just as long as it's not the Chinese doing it. So I, I, I almost wonder if this is everything that it's being billed to us. So that's just kind of my take on it.
3: Uh, the, the Pentagon is telling us uh, what's happening. So we know it's legitimate, right? They've now confirmed tonight that there's a second balloon flying somewhere in the United States. I'm not sure if they've told us where. But for. Above me right now, there's a balloon above me and my Internet's glitchy. So that's all I can. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Brother, I don't believe the balloon story. I don't think it's the Chinese. I don't think I I I don't think it's exactly what they're telling us. What are we missing? What are we not looking
2: at? It was a big deal in the '60s when the United States arranged uh, some sort of treaty with the USSR about spy planes that they would that would permit certain routes that the Russians would be able to take over the United States in order to be, in a sense. A little transparent to, to establish some sort of trust and, and it happened vice versa that united states was also able to uh take certain spy planes in, in a particular path that, that was pre-approved by the ussr in order to uh let things settle down a little bit so i think um if it is real if it is some sort of chinese blimp so to speak it's not true and and unfortunately the- and of the chinese just um going around and, and, and spying on everybody of course the chinese um even even more literally down to earth they established their own police stations in all sorts of countries all around the world to spy on their own citizens and uh, were they only spying on their own citizens is the question um i think earlier on this year
12: can't have a country without borders. You can't have a country if you don't have borders. But that's also true of airspace, which is itself a kind of border. So maintaining control of the skies over the United States, deciding who comes in and out and on what terms, that's one of the most basic duties of the Pentagon and has been since aviation began. If you were to fly your Cessna into restricted airspace in parts of this country, the U.S. military would scramble jets and they might shoot you down. So it's not a small infraction. Unless, of course, you happen to be the Chinese government and you're operating an enormous white dirigible designed to spy in American nuclear installations. In that case, you could relax. You've got friends at the White House. Absolutely nothing is going to happen to you. Now, that's not an imaginary scenario. We're not guessing. We know it's true because we're seeing it right now. As you've doubtless heard, an enormous spy balloon the size of several school buses has floated over from central China. It's currently, we think, drifting across the continental United States. Yesterday, it passed over Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana. That's one of only three places in this country that houses Minuteman III intercontinental ballistic missiles. By this afternoon, the Chinese spy balloon had made it to Kansas City. And there, over the skies of that city, a pilot flying a private plane at 47,000 feet came close to hitting the Chinese spy balloon. Derelict balloon adrift, he said, in a notice to other nearby pilots. But it was not a derelict balloon it was a balloon being controlled by China. In other words, here we have a foreign military aircraft over our country spying on our critical defense installations and posing a threat to civilian aviation. That seems like a big deal. If you want to know how big a deal, consider how would we respond if Putin were doing this? If this were a Russian spy balloon? Well, you'd have the world's shortest news story. Russian spy balloons spotted offshore, entire U.S. Air Force mobilized, balloon reduced to vapor in seconds. So no, there would not be a lot of debate about what to do about a Russian spy balloon. We'd kill it instantly as you would any hostile foreign intrusion. But things turn out to be a little different when it's a Chinese spy balloon. As far as we know, Vladimir Putin has never sent cash to Joe Biden's crackhead son. He probably should have. That would have been a very wise investment in retrospect. The Chinese government, long thinking as always, did send cash to Joe Biden's crackhead son. And apparently to Joe Biden.
1: So there's you, Tucker on it.
3: I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me or not. Yeah, Now you're coming through. The balloon is over Kansas City right now. Tucker Carlson reported on it. Ever since the balloon has been overhead, not going to lie, we've had some issues here. Uh but we are we are live here on YouTube and we are pushing through with our show. Hey, did you guys hear did you guys hear that there was some white smoke in Rome recently? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know if movie. you guys heard about the, the white smoke in Rome. Brother Bunonio has has had a uh, conclave in a uh, hotel room and uh, for those who don't know brother bunyolo is one of the voices not the leading voice not even close to the leading voice uh, to claim that Pope Benedict was still the reigning pontiff up until the moment of his death that the abdication was invalid for whatever reason and or the conclave in 2013 was a false conclave for whatever reason I make no judgment upon the, either of those conclusions I only make a judgment upon the fact that Brother Bugnolo has appointed himself to have a conclave. And we all expected, I expected anyway, I don't know what you guys expected. I expected Bugnolo to walk out of the conclave in the Hilton Hotel wearing, wearing white.
1: Why that was one of my unpops that <laughs> as soon as he announced it claiming to be the pope I, I mocked him as I call like, well, I said he'd be called Brother Bung-Holio, uh, Bungholio the first or something like that you know it's um, <laughs> so, still love. so I
3: don't want to call him, but down the road. I've 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 heard I've heard that insult quite a quite a few times I don't want to call him a fake monk I what I do know is that when he called me a few years ago. When he was living in his mother's house in Montana, he asked me if I would join his board of directors and help him fundraise for this Catholic army that he's fielding, which not one soldier has been fielded. That's a totally separate thing. Ordo Militaris, probably a fraud. But the conclave, the results of the conclave, some of you may not know about this conclave. I don't know if we can pull anything up or anything like that. Brother Bunyolo held a conclave in a hotel room, Brother Martin, in Rome, and who did he elect to be the Pope? He elected Jorge Bergoglio. And ever since then, now we know that Pope Francis is the legitimate reigning pontiff because Brother Bunyolo has pronounced it to be the case. It was... I don't know brother martin i gotta get your thoughts on it and 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 particularly who amongst the benny Vicantis was missing that night that afternoon
2: so i guess you'll i'll answer your, your last question first before my internet kind of cuts out too and um, because of the, the the balloon but the real leader of the city uh, the benefit movement over especially over in italy is Don Minutella who was a priest in uh, the Diocese of Palermo in Italy, which is in, in Sicily. And he was the first person to be excommunicated. And, um, and he started out with, you know, saying he had visions that, you know, Pope Francis wasn't really Pope, that Benedict was truly Pope. Um, he started his own online following. Um, he's very famous in Italy and Argentina. He's got a few priests that are following him, you know, celebrating mass in their, in their bedrooms, but live streaming it online, all that kind of stuff. um, and so there's kind of, in a sense, a schism with between the Benedickantes or the yeah the Benedickantes in the sense that don't is actually a priest, and so that that's that's helpful in a sense. And Othello, a lot of pe- English speakers might not know who he is, but. Uh, because he doesn't speak English, but he's he's very well spoken and very intelligent in, in Italian. Um, actually, I used to watch him all the time because he was he was very smart and just well, he just taught the faith. Um, but obviously, he had this you know, idea that uh, Benedict was was still pope. So um, that's really kind of who who's who spearheaded the whole movement. And of course, whenever a movement starts, a lot of people try to take it over. You know, identifying themselves as traditionalists whenever they they're they're not traditionalists, stuff like that. So that's kind of what happened there as far as Bunyolo goes. Um what's kind of funny is that he's not a, a priest, he's not a deacon, he's not a bishop, he's nothing. And so while we all thought kind of Bunyola would elect himself which would make sense especially with a, a small gathering, you would you you have to ask a question is if he was elected pope, who would ordain him deacon, priest and then bishop so that he could be pope. Uh, and I think to this that the bishop uh, brother bunyello said um uh, he nominated Gracida, but I know for a fact Gracida doesn't want to name anybody um, except conditionally so um, there's that so they really have no no bishop that would that would even help brother bunyello become
1: in a sense become Pope become a bishop the bishop of Rome no they don't and on top of all that with it's um you know, for years too, I don't know if I said this here another time or what, but, um, you know, other major beneficantists have been, or what, are they, I'm sorry, I'll use the terms that they prefer. The Benedict is Pope theorists. They've backed away from I mean and Barnhart's one, um, you know, Patrick Coffin, as soon as he got into a kind of, you know, backed away very quickly. Um, I haven't, Seen Father Kramer used to be more closely associated with him. I, I haven't seen much from him lately at all.
3: I don't. I don't. By the way, I don't know ha, Ryan if you happen to catch Ann Barnhart. Speaking of Ann Barnhart, oh yeah,
1: she completely tore him to pieces. Actually, she, yeah, I don't normally care much head. to her stuff, but she yeah. really nailed it. Because yeah. what authority does he have to call a conclave? What authority does he? I mean, he lays down these principles and it. It's all written very intellectually. It sounds very good, but in the actuality, what authority is it based on? And if the 2014 or 2013 conclave, um, which elected you know Bergoglio to begin with, and and then you know, thus he's received by the church, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. If that conclave, which had all these cardinals that were all appointed by Pope Benedict or John Paul II, um, if that one wasn't valid, why is a conclave that one man who lacks orders who even lacks a formal recognition by the church he merely has private vows um, what possible authority does he have to direct and organize a conclave I mean such a thing without you know parallel in church history while um, there's at least bishops that were appointed by uh, you know Benedict so you would, you would think that that would I mean that so he might you know have said well they, they're they're schismatics of course because they, they don't recognize they recognize Francis as Pope okay well even if that's true. Um, you know, this has to be like a universal movement of the entire church. It can't be one guy on his own private authority that has been given absolutely nothing by by a church or by an imperfect counselor what have you to try to move in that direction. So if the, the 2013 conclave is invalid, w- what is there that makes this one particularly valid? <laughs> and, and that calls into question on all sides, not just the kind of the silliness of, of beginning this, you know, all, all together. But <laughs> furthermore, the result where they say, well, for peace and unity in the church, we hereby elect Jorge Mario Gregorio. So, so
3: just to take this absurdity to its absolute logical conclusion, ever since the conclave, the so-called conclave in Rome, which which dozens of people were following very closely, um, ever since then, now Brother Bugnolo has gone out online and praised francis's trip to africa where he's he's basically acting as one of the leaders of the world economic forum the new agenda you know the the new world order all this stuff and he's oppressing blacks in africa right and he's oh that uh that the pontiff the sovereign pontiff has visited the african people and has given his apostolic blessing i mean it's a complete 180 it is it is it is the most stunning i think public 180 that i've ever seen in my life i mean part of this man's reason uh, correct me if i'm wrong ryan part of his reason for claiming that francis is not pope is that Francis is a manifest heretic? So it wasn't just the irregularities of 2013. It wasn't just the you know the office versus the munis versus the whatever the Latin. It was also that well look just look at Francis. He can't possibly be the pope. But now when Francis says something that's terrible, Bugnolo says, "See, this is proof that he is the pope." <laughs> it's
1: such an odd bit because you know if he's I mean, it's like, I would not elect Mario Bergoglio to be Pope if I were in that position. And I did not think he was actually Pope. I sure would not elect him. Um, You know, and again, my position on that has been plain. When the church makes it clear that he's not, then he's not. But if I didn't already believe he was, I sure as heck wouldn't be electing him. So it it doesn't really make any sense how we've actually accomplished anything. Um, and, And then the bigger problem for him in the future is going to be um what are his supporters and the people that have funded his kind of his operations even in rome are going to think when he's out there saying okay yep Bergoglio's poop and and then you have someone far more eloquent like don minatella who's going to be saying uh well see he's a fraud and a lot of supports gonna at least in in um you know italian speaking circles that's good all going to go that way and then even in english speaking circles i have a hard time seeing people continuing that in the past supported, you know, Brother Bignolo because he was out there, you know, telling everyone the truth about Pope Benedict and why Francis wasn't Pope. I don't think they're going to turn, you know, continue to support him now that he's out there declaring Francis as Pope. It just doesn't, uh, doesn't really seem like like the way things are, are you know, work. Well,
3: wait. When, when Brother Bugnoglio first came out and said, I need money for this conclave. Uh, give me money and I'll go to Rome and I'll elect a Pope. I thought that was, that was the most audacious grift of all time. But now I think the grifter in chief has become the, the dumbest grifter of all time because now he has to defend every stupid thing that Francis the Merciful ever says. Because now he's elected him. I mean, he's literally endorsed the man. He has said that he is protected by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> now he has to defend Francis the Merciful. Who
2: does it go to? To me?
3: Yeah, it's, it's okay, sorry, to you
2: you, you get us out. Okay, Brother so yeah, Romano. so this this past week I saw another podcast as some uh, just blanket statements on the screen. Francis is Pope. So everybody is is in a situation of having to defend how this man is, in fact, the Pope. You thought that the Benedict Consist would elect someone more,
1: you know,
2: and I could understand he wrote an article saying it he, it was the only option that would be universally accepted. And so in one sense he kind of just ran himself into a corner so yeah you're right it's like they, they they make a complaint saying this man can't possibly be the pope it has to be benedict but then ultimately they just end up submitting to what they didn't want to accept um 10 years ago so it, it is quite silly as far as the grift goes i mean here's this guy who's you know fake monk asked for sixty thousand dollars to run a, a fake conclave and all that kind of stuff but no n- no uh, particular media news outlet ever calls it a scandal, calls it a fraud or any such thing. Um, but when someone just simply tries to buy a or to get a, a place to, to start a monastery, it, it becomes a huge deal. So this is this is all just too funny for
1: me. And um, actually I believe the video that's connected I'm not sure if it'll play right, but we can try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should come through in English.
6: Welcome to From Rome Info Video. My name is Brother Alexis Spignoli. I'm the publisher and editor of FromRome.info, electronic journal for news and commentary about Rome, the Vatican, and Italy. And in this video, I'm going to give the news about the assembly that was held on Monday, January um, 30th, 2023, in Rome, entitled The Assembly to the Elect Pope Benedict's Successor. <clears throat> And uh, this is going to be a long video because I'm going to explain it to people who don't know anything that's going on and then answer questions of people who are highly aware of what went on and ha- wondering what happened and what the consequences are. <clears throat> so in the Roman church, St. Peter granted the entire church, all the faithful, the right to elect his successor. <clears throat> and down through the ages, um They have gathered together after the death of a Pope, usually within a week after, but sometimes delayed because the Roman persecutions was delayed 14 months in 251, to elect the next Bishop of Rome, the successor, St. Peter, the Vicar of Christ, Patriarch of the West. During some ages, uh, the Pope's pressured by the Greek emperors or the German emperors, granted to them the right to uh, nominate or confirm the one elected.
1: Okay, I got to pause here that a lot of, let me just put it this way, a lot of historians would absolutely dispute a number of those things. um, That at least as far as you go back, it's actually the Roman clergy, not the Roman faithful. There might've been a period where all the Roman faithful were involved in the election, because you see that in other places where, you have, you know, the faithful were involved, but Bellerman actually comments on this as well as Cardinal Baronius and many others. And one of the things they point out is that at a certain point, usually because of persecution, they allowed the faithful uh, to, to assist in electing a bishop. But once the church was on her own, that within a few centuries, this almost completely died out, at least in the West. Where that that wouldn't, you know, there would be like the clergy themselves locally would confirm in a cathedral chapter or, you know, whatever bodies that they had set up with their clergy to elect a guy. And then especially when you come to like the nomination, it actually was against the will of the Greek emperors because they didn't know who the pope was going to nominate. Right. And they did. Actually, there was a three popes try to no sorry two popes try to nominate someone. And, uh, the, you know, the, the the guy who was nominated eventually did succeed after a short schism. And he's like, you know, this whole system didn't work. And so, the, the, you know, that fell out of favor and they decided not to try it again. And I mean, between, I mean, Ludwig Pasteur, um, I'm just thinking, you know, a whole host of, the, you know, historians we could go through. That it was definitely not under pressure that they invented a system other than the people electing him. You know, other things were usually innovations locally in order to try to determine the best way to freely elect a pope without, you know, undue influence of this or that interested party, which has always been a complicated endeavor. You know, no matter what they're trying to do, um, you want to keep going on this? Do you want to?
3: Well, let's, just, let's 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 pause here for a second just to identify our radio broadcasting partner, saychannel.com, dot com. The media, the way it should be. Um, he, <laughs> Stewart came out of jail.
5: You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID-19. And that's why I got the new updated booster. Designed to help protect against recent Omicron variants. Got it?
3: I just want want to know if she was insider trading with Pfizer before she made the commercial (laughs) or not. I feel like that would be worth investigating, Martha.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh, brother.
3: (sighs) I can't believe they're still trying to
1: push that. It it beggars the imagination how they can continue to push it. Um, Almost like uh, Bignolo pushing that Francis is is really Pope when all these years he wasn't, supposedly. But um, either way, it's. You'll just keep pushing because, I mean, the lies you know that once you make them enough, eventually they'll stick. That's the idea, or some part of it will stick. So with they're just going to keep going, even though nobody believes it anymore. You have a, I would even say you have a majority of the public that does not believe that the um, the uh, medical intervention of uh, unspecified uh, provenance and it's uh, you know so called. Uh, adjuvant, uh, no, that's the wrong word, uh, increasers over the years. It's like, how can we avoid the YouTube sensors? Um, I, I would argue a majority, at least in this country anyway, has gotten to the point where they, they're not going to do it and they're going to be extremely untrustworthy of the next one unless they see bodies dropping in the streets from you know, whatever plague is coming down, which is probably what's going to happen. They'll convince them that, oh, look, look at this plague. And it's all, you know, you have to get this uh, this new uh, jab, or else you'll end up just like them, and, and that scare tactic will get a lot of people, but not as many as it would have two, three years ago. So, uh, like so many other things, you just have to keep repeating the nonsense, and and hope it's it's eventually going to stick. But much like uh, you know the, the the new celebration of fat that's mm-hmm. uh that's going on and if you won't date uh, a, a woman who is you know
3: the butcher, <laughs> wait do we have we a video on that fun. do we have a video on that or are you just saying that oh we do we... <laughs> 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 That's, it's, it's so Why did wrong. you
12: do that to us? <laughs> if you diet, you lose weight, right? The number one cause of obesity is genetics. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself, even with optimal diet, exercise, sleep, management, stress management. So when people see families that have obesity, the assumption is, oh, what are they feeding those kids?
3: Now. <laughs> I don't understand. We can't take responsibility for anything anymore. Nothing is anybody's individual fault. Anything is either genetics, you're born gay, you're born fat, you're born ugly, Look, I can buy that you're born ugly. The the first two, I think it's fake news. <laughs> Brother? Brother? No, it's, definitely, it's definitely
1: true. I agree. <laughs> 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 I mean, okay, dude, no, nobody can help the way
2: they look. I mean, I guess they could uh, grow a beard or cover their face or whatever like I did. Um, but <laughs> as, far as, being, as far as being big or whatever, that's something we, we could all work on. I mean, I've seen people that were... I guess they claim to be genetically, you know, big, uh, have extreme self-discipline and, and cut it all out, you know? So that's, that's definitely the case there. I, I, I'm sorry. I missed the video because of this internet connection. So I don't know,
1: really know what the jiggly belly was saying, but. uh... (laughs) Oh yeah. You missed out on a real Academy award-winning video there. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, no, really it it is. But it is that thing. It's nobody's fault. Nothing is anybody's fault. It's all, you know, genetics and genetics are doing it. And what do you know? We can help the genetics. We can help all these things if you'll just take our experimental uh, medicine and and all these things which will help your genes. That's not going to make you get insanely and ridiculously fat,
4: you know. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No. Don't tell anyone what's going You got to you on <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, yeah. We're exploring, like, no. you know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can, pro- pro- <laughs> we can create developed new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses. We to be, like, very controlled to make sure sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like, you know, it goes everywhere.
9: Something which, crazy. But
4: is the way that the virus started, and it moved on. And to be honest, like it's, it makes no sense if this virus popped out of nowhere. And, like Yeah,
11: I know. Meet Jordan Tristan Walker, a director of research and development strategic operations and mRNA scientific planning at Pfizer. It sounds like gain-of-function to me. I don't know, it's a little bit different.
4: I think it's different. It's like here's it's definitely not gain of function. It sounds like it is. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So directed evolution is very different. Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to do gain of function research with the viruses, like yeah, rather not. But you do like these like selected directional mutations to try to see if you make more potent. Yeah. So there, there is research ongoing about that. I don't know how that's gonna work. There might not be any more outbreaks. Just like Jesus
6: Christ. The gentleman seems to have absolutely no moral compass at all,
4: I all for all government officials it's pretty good for the industry to be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in america never- why is it bad
2: for everybody else
4: because if the regulators so have approved our drugs know that once they stop being regulated they want to go work for the company they're not going to be as hard for the company you know
6: if this is the quality of individuals within pfizer that are making these huge decisions that a risk global public health. It's profoundly corrupt. What is
4: Pfizer doing, I guess, to optimize, you know, the vaccines now? Oh, we actually have a meeting about that today. So there's a lot. Really? They're doing um,
11: I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> Our undercover journalist asked Walker how Pfizer is handling the fact that their COVID vaccines are ineffective against virus variants what he said is disturbing listen to this we're exploring like not, you know how the virus keeps mutating yeah well one of the things we're
4: exploring is like why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can, procre- we can create developed new vaccines right so we have to do that if we're going to do that though there's a risk of like as you could imagine no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses yeah <laughs> so okay. we're like do we want to do this <laughs> so that's like one of the things we're considering okay In, like the future like maybe we can like create new versions of the vaccines and things like that okay so, so Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public, no. That's why it was <laughs> a thought that came up at a meeting and we were like, why, why do we not? It was like, we're going to consider that. There'll be more discussions.
11: That exact reaction, right? We're like, wait a minute, people like, won't like that. That's right. It appears that Pfizer is internally discussing the possibility of mutating the COVID virus themselves in order to tailor a vaccine to sell to the public. Listen to Walker describe in detail just how they would conduct such a scientific experiment. First, in living animals. So the way that we're thinking about it, like, don't tell anyone. Those you gotta what? You don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone.
4: Okay, so um, the way it would work is like we put them in the virus in these monkeys, okay, and then we successively like cause them to keep infecting each other. and we collect serial samples from them, and then the ones that are more infectious, like the virus, we'll put them in another monkey and just constantly actively mutate it. That's one way. Okay. Or you can even do like directed like simulation, which like we cannot prefer, and then. You just sample what the different like um, like uh, proteins on the surface of the virus look like over time. Okay. so Then you can see the mutation. Then you can have to mutate in a certain way you want. Okay. But you have to be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't so create something that, like you know goes everywhere.
9: Something Which, crazy. But
4: is the way that the virus started it moved around. to be honest, like it's, it makes no sense if this virus popped out of nowhere. Like
11: yeah, I know. COVID virus experimentation on live monkeys. This is unethical, to say the least, and Walker describes those experiments as if they are ongoing and not simply a hypothetical discussion. So, I mean, when is Pfizer gonna
4: implement the mutation of all these viruses? I don't
11: know, it depends on how the experiments
4: work out, because this is just like something we're buying, right? It sounds like gain-of-function to me. I don't know, it's a little bit different. I think it's different. It's like, there's. it's definitely not gain-of-function. It sounds like it is, I mean, it's okay. No, 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 no. No, so directed evolution is very different. <laughs> Direct evolution? Directed evolution. Directed evolution, okay. <laughs> well, so, I mean, is that what it is? Maybe, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're not supposed to do game function research with the viruses, like, rather yeah. than not. But you do, like, these, like, selected directional mutations to try to see if you can be more potent. Yeah. So there there is research ongoing about that. I don't know how that's going to work. There might not be any more outbreaks, because, like, Jesus Christ. So um, tell me more, like, what's developing with the whole, you know, virus mutation process? Mm -hmm. Well, they're still kind of conducting the experiments on it, but... Uh, it seems like from her they're kind of optimizing it, but are going slow. they everyone's very cautious. Like, you know, right. obviously don't want to recover, uh, accelerate it too much. Yeah. Um, but I think they're also just trying to do it as an exploratory thing, because you obviously don't want to advertise that you're kind of like, out future mutation. Boy, so did that, did the whole
11: virus mutation thing like come from your executive, Sarah?
4: No, no, no. That came from, like, we have, like, chief scientific officers in, like, the other divisions.
11: In a subsequent meeting, our undercover journalist asked if this type of gain-of-function research is already being studied at Pfizer. But no, as long as it's called directed evolution, Pfizer's in the clear.
4: What, what's the goal for, well, for Pfizer do you know, of doing that? So probably what they want to do is like to try to figure out, to some extent, try to figure out, like, you know, there's all these new strains of variants that just pop up. Why don't we try to like catch them before they pop up in nature and we can develop a vaccine for like new variants. Yeah. So that's why they're thinking, like, if you do it, control the lab, then we say, oh, this is a new epitope. And so then if they, it comes out later on, like in the public, we already have a vaccine kind of working on it. Oh my God. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that the the best business model though? Like, just control nature before nature even happens itself, right? Yeah, yeah. If it works. (laughs) What do you mean (laughs) if it works? Because like, some of the times there were just mutations that pop up, right? And we're not prepared for it, like with Delta or Omicron and things like that. so. Who knows? I mean, either way, it's going to be a cash cow. COVID would probably be a cash cow for us for a while going forward. Like, yeah. I obviously like
11: <laughs> Well, I think the whole,
12: you know, I think the whole, like, research of the viruses and mutating it, like, would be the ultimate,
11: like, cash cow. Yeah, it would be perfect. Now, you would think that creating viruses to sell the vaccine would be illegal. But no. The pharmaceutical industry, as Walker puts it, is, quote, a revolving door for all government officials, unquote. a revolving door for all government officials. Wow. Yeah, for any industry, though. So, like, in
4: the farming industry, all the government uh, officials who, like, you know, review our drugs, eventually okay. come work for farming companies. Like, in the military, like, all the, like, army and defense, like, government officials eventually go work for the defense company afterwards. How do you feel?
3: Watch. I don't know what that was, James. You're with us. The so the the grinder meeting that we were just watching devolved into a. a... <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the bogus ordo. I'm talking about the video before the bogus ordo. I know how that could have been confusing. The grinder meeting before the bogus ordo was what we were watching, devolved into some violent thing, which James
0: okay my audio is good but yours seems to be getting chopped up
1: yeah actually yeah so james welcome to the program james yeah Yeah.
3: i don't know if you know this there's a balloon over my house right now oh no really yeah karen is in the balloon right now gary the fairy is in the balloon (laughs) um but 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 the fight the fight looked so staged but they had good lighting good sound good good pulling focus it just looks
0: staged yeah it it, i i watched uh parts of it and couldn't really even make out what was going on except everything just seemed to be very odd uh the placement of the cameras the uh the 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 attack and the non-attack and the running in and running out to the circling around the going going behind the counter uh yelling let me was it let me out or let me go or something like that it just seemed too ridiculous and I don't know, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time, but this one just seemed just way too, uh, staged. And I was thinking to myself, well, p- perhaps, uh, before O'Keefe Keith, uh, walked in the, uh, Pfizer guys said, Hey, you know, I'll give you anything you need to know. Just let me make this such that it was staged, you know, uh, or such that, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're fighting and not actually giving you everything you want. I bet that employee sat down with him and said, Hey, you know, this is the way I'm going to leak this stuff to you. This is what I'm going to give you. But in return, I want you to make this look like you actually got me. Okay? So let's let's have a little fight scene afterwards. And wink, wink, nod, nod. You have everything you wanted. So is he – I guess he's a whistleblower, but he's a willing whistleblower in that sense, if that makes any sense at all.
3: James, are you Trad Patrick? <laughs>
0: you know, uh, people have asked me that question, believe it or not. But, uh, it's like the Dave Chappelle skit. Right. You know, I'm, yes, I'm not I am not Sicilian enough.
3: But Sicilians are dark, like dark.
0: That's my point. They're darker than us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh man. James, I know, I know that we lost the translation about what to dial in because we're all waiting for TradPat.
0: I know I was sitting there in the wings going and you know what actually I actually had the wrong stream chat uh, stream yard thing on sitting waiting for everyone else to come in and this is the most on time I would have ever been you guys listening and watching <laughs> you know I'm always a little bit late I've got things going but tonight I was gonna be right on time I had the, the wrong uh you know it's, it's a it's a boomerism you know I I just don't wait don't wait wait I know, so James, I know I know
2: you're saying Go you ahead. don't subscribe to the rundown on YouTube they would have sent you a <laughs> notification.
0: You know, I should have been listening to it on my on my <laughs> uh, com- computing uh, devices here. I have several. I can't
3: mm-hmm. believe you don't subscribe to the Rundown. You know what? This is a perfect segue. If you're not subscribing to the Rundown, you're wrong. The Rundown has its own YouTube channel. But we are also, if you're watching the Rundown, you're watching us live here on YouTube. But we're simulcasting with our radio broadcasting partner, Crusade Channel. CrusadeChannel.com media the way it should be uh so that now spoiler alert if you're listening on the crusade channel and you should because you can join the crusade channel and get the founder's pass and do all that crusade a r p-a-r-r-o-t-t two r's two t's parrot <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: balloon got balloon bee. again it's that balloon the balloon got him
3: there's a balloon up above my house. I I saw it earlier today. I was driving down the road. I was leaving First Friday Mass. Happy First Friday to everybody. I saw the balloon. I literally saw it. And I was like, huh, I wonder if there's going to be a problem with the rundown tonight. And, well, it turns out that there is.
0: Right. Yeah. You're actually fuzzy. The rest of us are not. Mm-hmm. My camera is even clearer than yours, than yours, Parrot, if you can believe that or not.
2: This you look this, this, is, this is James flexing. This is the one time, the one day he can say his audio <laughs> and his visual are better than everybody great else. Audio, got great video. Three months.
3: And, he, and he busted out the, the ascot, too. Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're such an hey. ascot-wearing
0: guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. After this, You're
1: don't here. knock Idaho internet. That's all I got to say.
3: I know. Idaho's <laughs> been coming strong. James, wherever you are, it's pretty good, too. But there's a balloon over my house.
1: Sure. So I look at that video and, you know, even this, the bits we're watching, the idea that, I mean, anyone who's going to be working in these industries, it's like, you already know, because as, as you know, we, we've seen with the head, the big wigs at Pfizer, we've seen with the, the documentation, they have fought very hard to hide that the evidence and the FOIA requests, which have shown they knew things were not, Uh, As they should be. Uh, I got to watch the YouTube censors. So they know all this information ahead of time. right? Yet, you know, they're not going to have, you know, the people who work there are only there because either they're getting paid enough where they really don't care about the destruction of humanity or they, you know, they're, they're really invested. They really believe this is furthering the next step of evolution that there's you know, if you believe in that and whatever, you know, we're going to help, you know, make better humans. And it's going to be great. We're going to do all these things. So why are you going to let these things out there casually with some guy you just sat down with uh, after you get on Grindr? I mean, um, <clears throat> sat down for a beer with, uh, you know, it just, it doesn't really fit. and And, and I've wondered about Project Veritas too, because, you know, they'll get attacked to a certain extent by the left, you know, just enough to try to convince, oh, well, the left is going after him. Well, I want to support him. But then, you know, why are they allowed to do that? Why wouldn't, you know, if if this was real in as much as and when I say real, I mean, like a, a guy really got gotcha and had no idea that he just spilled the beans to an investigative reporter who's going to put it out there.
6: Yeah.
1: Why wouldn't there be SWAT teams? This would have been suppressed. We saw what they did. During you know in 2020 we saw what they did in 2021 and suppressing doctors with credential real credentials and actual achievements in the medical field beyond anything I can imagine and they censored these guys with no no qualms about it they shut down all their accounts um, you know in Canada they are freezing the bank accounts of the truck uh, the truckers they any, any protest the government doesn't like they they'll, they'll freeze your bank accounts right they could do that here they have done that I mean we saw what happened with yay. Um, not to presage too much of uh, our upcoming guests, but you saw what they did with him. They completely made him a non-person for uh, mentioning something about uh, certain people, in you know that uh, right. <laughs> have, have lasers the tribe, in space toward an AOC. Call them the tribe. <laughs> call the tribe called Quest. Right. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it just it beggars my imagination that they would be allowed to put this video out. there. I would be able to play this video on YouTube and not have our streams shut down the way they, they completely shut us down for misidentifying copyright. When I did the world war one in, uh, intro, you know, sure, a few months ago. Sure. or again, when it, when I played, you know, Chappelle, they, they completely shut sure. the stream down for a sure. copyright strike and made me delete that so that it could be reloaded. But they're going to allow this really damning information to get out there. In my opinion, it's because they want that information to get out there. They absolutely want it to. It's it's a predictive programming or it's it's a way of um, kind of setting the stage or it's misinformation selectively put out there. One of those those types of things. And so I don't trust on the face of it, just even if Project Veritas is 100% on the level, uh, even if they're all really are working, the fact that they're allowed to do this makes me question, are they being allowed to? And I'm not convinced that they are completely on
0: the level, but if they are, well, here's a question for you because I, I'll say something because I haven't had enough uh, airtime this evening. But what I want to add to this is and it's your month, too. <laughs> through, through through my own fault.
3: <laughs> it's your month.
0: All right. You exactly. Go, girl. You speak more. <laughs> yes. Back of the bus to you guys. So but basically, what's happened is J- uh, James O'Keefe was. Uh, visited by the FBI uh, maybe a few months back. Was it maybe November or something of that timeline? Mm -hmm. We don't even know exactly what happened in the aftermath of all that. Um, You know, they they raided his uh, office and things of that nature. And uh, he's back out there doing what he's doing. He hasn't dialed back. We don't know the full extent. And honestly, I don't remember if he addressed it or not but that seemed to not be a problem for what they're doing because they've doubled down on what they're doing and they're moving forward. So it does beg the question, what's really happening behind the scenes? We know of other people in 2022 who were raided and who had to show up in court and who had to have court proceedings and who had to have a case opened up against them by the FBI, by the DOJ. So what is going on? It's a very good question. You know, We're not afraid of asking these questions. We have to ask these questions. You know, yeah. is it really a, is it really a Chinese weather balloon? Uh, you know, not weather balloon, but is it really ch- a Chinese spy balloon up there? You know, who knows what it is? You know, whatever it is, it's providing cover for whatever is going on elsewhere. It's just too convenient that all of a sudden there's a Chinese balloon and not just one, mind you. There are two now. You know, why, why did we ground, why did the FAA ground all flights last month? We have no idea. You know, well, well they, they, definitely... they, said
3: it, they, they said it was a computer glitch. But yeah, uh, of course, I mean, of course, yeah, it was a computer too. glitch. Well, yeah. so here's the thing. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we even questioned that lady in England uh, who was, quote unquote, praying outside of the abortion clinic in England. And she was arrested. Of course, there was a really high quality cameraman who just happened to be there to capture the whole thing. We'll and then husband. a highly edited very well done video of her after the fact talking about how she was arrested and persecuted for being pro life etc. and we take a lot of flack here at the rundown for just looking at the objective facts to say okay she was arrested but the nobody said anything to the cameraman the police didn't even look at the camera the police didn't say anything to the cameraman right and now we have this highly edited video it's all put out by all the play all the major players and it's 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 designed in my opinion, it's it's designed to incite our, our and precipitate our emotions.
0: It's red meat.
3: And, and and yeah, it's red meat. It's it's designed to make us feel like, well, we're under attack and we need to be galvanized, we need to come together and, and and to and to trap us and trap us in the perpetual Hegelian dialectic of right versus left, red versus blue, liberal versus conservative, whatever it is, and and keep us invested in the right-left system so that we don't ever wake up to the facts. And TradPass, he's, he'll be joining soon. He's hes in line right now at the rental car facility. He's telling me that he's seeing on ABC News that a producer was just arrested for kiddie porn. He's uh, standing in the rental car building. He's second in line right now. When he's in his car, he's going to dial in, and you'll finally hear the sage Wars of Tradpass. But, but, and, and I know he agrees with this. There is no such – there's no difference between the Republicans and the Democrats or whatever. I I, I saw a tweet. I think I retweeted it, uh, or maybe I didn't, but, but conservatism in the United States, so-called conservatism, <laughs> is just liberalism is slow motion. Uh, there, there is such a thing as a right-wing liberal, uh, Brother Martin, and, and mo- uh, many of our friends, collaborators, uh, colleagues – supporters even listeners of the rundown uh and the crusade channel maybe are actually guilty of being right-wing liberals and uh and that phrase isn't used often enough but it's a real thing
0: you're mute brother
3: Maybe he's soft. Can you
0: hear here. me? Oh no. I- oh okay. <laughs> You're hard
3: muted. Uh,
0: that's exactly right.
3: I know. Um, we yeah. agree. We agree. <laughs> <We> Ryan, <agree>. Brian, <laughs> Brian, drop him out of the show. Brother, dial in with your cell phone, man, and take your wi fi off. It's just it's the only way. Okay, we'll
0: do. What was the okay. question you you pressed uh, well, the, to brother?
3: The question was about right wing liberals and whether mm-hmm. or not that's a thing and what is a right wing liberal? What is what is a what is a a capital L classical liberal? This is something that I think we we don't talk enough about, and mm-hmm. this is the key to dismantling libertarianism because libertarianism is a really attractive thing. This is this is I don't want to spoil my unpop. It's very attractive <laughs> for people for Catholics. To jump into libertarianism, about, oh, I'm a limited government kind of guy. And I even saw some, I even saw one guy on Twitter. He's not a boomer. He's a Gen Xer. And he was tweeting, you know, I'm totally opposed to us intervening in other nations' affairs and sending our military anywhere in the world for any reason. I'm like, okay, so were you opposed to the Crusades? Would you have been opposed to us intervening uh, for, for, with the Cristeros? Would you be opposed to us saving the Vendee? Would you be opposed to us participating in the Battle of Lepanto? So libertarianism is bankrupt. It's morally (laughs) bankrupt, but it starts from the the idea that the individual is the basic building block of society. You
1: see it borne out, I mean, two places. One is in England and through the development of, and it's largely in reaction to the French Revolution, honestly, that the idea of a conservative liberalism, and the guy who is the founder of it all is Edmund Burke, who a lot of people, are, well, what are you talking about? Edmund Burke's conservative. Edmund Burke was a lifelong Whig. He was a liberal. Yeah, but yeah. he sees the logical conclusion of all these principles of the French Revolution. Oh, no, 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 no. we got to find a way, but he's not willing to give up his adherence to Whig liberalism, which is the root and stock, And so he has to find a way to conserve liberalism by having it move more slowly so it doesn't become these violent forms like the French Revolution. The French produce a conservative liberalism by accident through the course and the travails of the French Revolution itself, where the new radicals become so radical that the old radicals are now the new conservatives. And But it's the very same principle as you have it with Burke, is that they all adhere to the same liberal principles root in stock. So that that's the that's the first place and so, and that's been the heritage the fatal inheritance of this country from both sources by the way. There's this um, desire to portray America uh, the United States as a more conservative you know a conservative revolution as opposed to the French revolution. And there are many ways in which that's true. But there are also many ways in which that's false, right? Because even though, I mean, well, we didn't have an established order that that was thousands of years old being overthrown the way you did in France. But at the same time, you did have the many principles of the French Enlightenment, of French liberalism that were brought in specifically by Jefferson. It is part of the inheritance of the American quest for liberty and the... Declaration of Independence that enshrines many of the ideas of the French Revolution in the declaration. And that you don't have nearly so much of that in the constitution because Jefferson was in France supporting the revolutionaries who killed Louis XVI. <laughs> so it, he uh, had a, more of the English tradition was taken over at that point, but the font and root of all revolutionary liberalism, it, which is, you know, free thinking, absolute freedom in, in, in all of these areas. Uh, Away from right order, away from God's order, away from the way the world is established, freedom from sin. Man can be above sin, freedom from nature, right? All all of these things that it's not just man is given to to have custody over nature and even dominate nature. We're free from the effects of nature and the consequences. So today, when we see, for example, the alphabet uh, uh, movement and your multiple thousands of genders, And wait a minute, how did we get here? It's the same principles. Now it's just evolved to the point where it's, we're going to be free from our biological gender, just as we're free from
3: original sin in the 18th century conception.
1: It's all the same
11: thing.
3: There's also something about liberalism, James, um, that that divorces people from time. Um, I, I can't exactly quite put my finger on it, but there's something about classical liberalism... Uh, which I know those two didn't exactly agree on everything but but the but, but the enlightenment principle that said that 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 there really is no importance to the past and there's almost no uh, there's no connection to the future and so there's like a divorcing of time and as a result that is that's the the venue by which uh, liberals are able to uproot society from their traditional connection with the past because the past is irrelevant and probably wrong and yeah. and and there's and likewise there's no obligation to the future uh, which is why in our liberal society uh, capital L as in classical liberal, the, it doesn't matter if you're a right-wing liberal or a left-wing liberal, but we have 30-something trillion in debt 100 trillion or 200 trillion or 10 or hundred billion trillion in, uh, in unfunded liabilities. We don't care about our children. There's no, there's no, uh, obligation to rear children. Uh, nobody really cares about the next generation or, or saddling the next generation with debt. And so, uh, because time is suddenly, in, instead of becoming, uh, all of us linked to each other, to our families, to our communities, to our land, to our tribes, to our, whatever, uh, the only thing that matters is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness now by the individual person now and there's no obligation either to the past to honor the past nor is there an obligation to hand anything over of value uh to the future and so there's a there's a divorcing of time which has manifested itself in the united states anyway especially as be i I mean this is one of the ways that we've really become communists is we just have no concept of time
0: Exactly correct. Um, And the reason why we're in this problem, um, you mentioned correctly, we're bringing into uh, our purview something that has never been done before. We're only starting to realize the fruits today. Of course, the fruits, uh, the church has always recognized these fruits as evil fruits, and it's taken a lot of us, uh, you know, from the time of uh 1776 to now to realize something is really rotten at at its core and it's now affected all of us a lot of us are uh catholics who are deeply concerned about how we are living amongst people who have no regard for divine positive law you know what is the maxim when uh libertarians or even liberals when they use uh, before t- before 2016, it was do no harm, right? You know, uh, whatever you do in your private life does not concern me. And coming into my senses back in the early 2000s, it was always like, well, this kind of sounds good because in that way I can benefit from it. But not until you start to really uh, pull back the curtain and ask serious questions. Well, what does do no harm mean? If this man is practicing uh, certain uh, behavior that is against church teaching, against God's divine law, am I supposed to sit back and let him do it, you know, or let him teach this to my offspring, to my children? You know, the answer is absolutely no. And so somebody who sits in that high office, such as we have the current Catholic uh, president now in that office, who's actually actively promoting this, we must know before that he, he was on a slippery slope Now we've all arrived here and we're looking at him going, how do we get here? Well, this is definitely how we got there. You know, we have no distinctions to promote good and to limit evil by force of law. We have none. You know, we've simply said, let let him do what he will in private as long as it does not promote, uh, you know, uh, the evils, you know, in society. But that's exactly what's happened. Evil has pervaded. And now we are fighting back. And some of us are even joining saying, well, you know. Uh, I'm so much persecuted right now that I would just make this a blanket statement. you know, do no harm, you keep to your side, I keep to my side. This is not what we're supposed to be doing in 21st century uh, United States where we've now killed uh, millions of children because we have decided women's rights trump those rights of the child that they carry within them. Absolutely despicable.
1: Precisely, and actually, but there was one point I wanted to follow back into, which uh, will actually lead to a fun video, where uh, you're talking about there's no regard for the past, no responsibility for the past, as we saw in some of the, the videos that the audience rather did not like earlier. There, you know, there's no regard for responsibility for the past, and there's also no regard for the future. Just, just whatever is going to give the most comfort
12: now. What can I do for you
5: today?
8: I would like to raise my debt limit. Excuse me? My debt limit. I'd like to raise it.
5: Because the last time I checked, Mr. Smith, you were in serious debt. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad.
8: Figure we should raise that limit.
5: Yeah, it says here you're $140,270 in debt.
8: Right, so I figured we should raise that limit to about $170,000. I just bought a 60-inch flat screen. Have you ever been to Australia? No. Leaving tomorrow, mate. You should check it out. Great parasailing. Do you have some
5: new income that I don't know about? Ah uh, no, still making about twenty one grand a year, okay, and are you still spending thirty eight thousand dollars a year? If that's what it says, so you're adding seventeen thousand dollars a year in debt. Wow, oh, is that what it comes out to debt limit going up, ding. Have you made any cuts in your expenses? Oh,
8: of course, yes. Uh, my okay. wife and I cut $380 out of our annual budget. It's $380. It's
5: brutal. Huh. Okay, so you're, you're, you're making, you're adding, okay, so you're adding $17,000 a year to your $140,000 in debt, and you cut $380. Why you say it like that? It makes it not sound like a lot. Hey, maybe you should think about generating some new income. Maybe a new job. Maybe ask for that raise.
8: Oh, asking for that raise. That's not... I'm not comfortable. That's an awkward conversation. I've always been able to raise my debt limit. Yeah,
5: well, this is a little different. Well, how? We're in the middle of a recession. And your credit rating will plummet if you continue to go along this path. I almost had it. You, you don't see how bad this is, do
8: you? I cut my budget by $380.
5: Are you kidding? I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. We can't help you. You're just a little alike. I am, I'm very sorry. My wife is going to lose it. Been there.
8: I mean, $380 is bad enough. I mean, this is going to end our marriage. We stopped talking to each other for a month. The baby was totally freaked out.
5: Wait. You have kids? Yeah. Yeah.
8: Sign there. All right, our kid's a blessing. (laughs) I mean, she's got plenty of time to deal with all this, right?
5: Absolutely. Are we all set? You're all set.
8: All right, let's go, kiddo. We gotta meet mommy at the car store. There we go. I think
5: this is yours. Thank you. Enjoy. Thanks. Hey.
1: That's that a few is years old. Brilliant!
0: That is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That is very well done. I've never seen that before.
1: Oh wow! I, I yeah. forget when I saw that, uh, but I picked up on that, downloaded that right away. It's uh, I know Mike's got something to say about it. Uh, hold on.
3: Well, well, just just the the idea that um, the the way the human mind works, and I think there have been studies on this that as a number gets larger, it becomes more abstract, and the mind really can't process it. So. You know, there's almost no difference in our minds between a million, a billion, a trillion, whatever. Like it's just a number. It just it, become, it becomes theoretical at that point. And you know we have this expectation. We just I don't know if we really covered the whole McCarthy thing, and you know, um, and and then the whole fight for the Speaker of the House, and now he's the number three person in government, and all this. Um, and and we're supposed to get balanced budgets, and we're supposed to get cuts to the debt to the debt ceiling, and all this stuff. They're not going to cut the debt ceiling. McCarthy came away from Biden and he, did, he, did, he had no specifics about anything that was going, going to be cut. But here's the dirty little secret that people don't know. The dirty little secret about the U.S. budget is that more than 77 percent of it, it can't be cut. It's like the political third rail. It's entitlements like, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. It's not going to be touched. It's not going to be addressed because both sides want, you know, the boomer vote. And so we're only military. talking about Yeah, we're only talking about twenty percent of 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 the budget now, which includes things like the military and the post office and other things that nobody actually wants to cut. So there's there's no there's almost nowhere for them to go. And when you get to the point where there's nowhere for either side to go, both are going to signal to the American people that they're gonna do something about it. Neither has a real plan to do anything about it. The only real plan that either side has and they both agree on this, is inflation. Because if you can accelerate inflation and, and keep it going, if you can get inflation to 5% sustained per year and normalize that, or 10% uh, per year and normalize that, that's one way to reduce the debt in, in relative terms because the debt is expressed in absolute terms. And we've, we've talked about this before. I just want to give it a quick, uh, just a quick thing. If you buy a house for hundred thousand dollars at a time when a Hershey's bar costs a dollar, and then inflation comes in and Hershey's bars cost two dollars, your house went from being worth your, your mortgage went from being worth a hundred thousand Hershey bars to only being worth fifty thousand Hershey's bars, and so but you only have to pay it back in Hershey's bars, right? And so that's that's sort of how this works. If we can inflate away our debt. If inflation, which is a man-made, insidious tax that we all pay because of the, you know, the 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 banksters, uh, let's say, because uh, because we have to be somewhat polite in how we say it, I guess, uh, then then that is the only real way that they're going to mask the spending. But at a certain point, ladies and gentlemen, we all know the system's going to fail; it will fail, and I think that that's what they're planning on. They're planning on the system failing, and they're just going to nuke it. Well, it's going to be disguised as some financial crisis, some some data breach, uh, some attack on our critical infrastructure, whatever it is. That's going to be the, the facade that is put up for the fact that we have, are at unsustainable levels, unbelievable levels, really unthinkable levels because our brains can't even pro- process the information the numbers are so big there are too many zeros behind it and so I, I i i sort of think that the next crisis that the next manufactured crisis let's say um even though they're still pu- pushing the the COVID thing is going to be financial in nature it might even be the power grid but it's certainly going to be something involving finances which allows a quote-unquote reset of this failed currency which everyone it's a zombie currency everyone knows it's dead no one's willing to admit it because all the other currencies on the planet Earth are also dead. It's just that the United States currency just happens to be slightly less dead, and and people are still holding it as a reserve currency, and that's the reason why we can get away with what we're getting away with. We wouldn't tolerate this from any other country on planet Earth. If anybody else tried to do this, we would reject it. And so, anyway, I I, I think I think as we as we look at it, you know, we're we're talking about. We've already crossed the point of no return. And so and, and the rundown knows this. And I think we even said this maybe two years ago on the rundown that we've crossed the point of no return. That was even under Trump. Mm-hmm. The spending was so bad. And people forget that too. Much
1: worse cross- now, too, than it was then. But don't don't get worried about the spending, Mike. You're, you're all worried about that. You need to worry about it be applauded. Your red wave for getting rid of the old boss so we can uh, all welcome the new bosses.
5: ...is on adoption of the resolution. Those in favor say aye. Aye! Those in favor say no. No! It's the opinion of the the chair that the ayes have it and the resolution is agreed to. And without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table gentleman from Mississippi is recognized. Don't tell me that this is about an
8: abdic- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology. Time my life was threatened. Thank you.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. I. So it's no.
1: In the yeah. intro versus uh, the actual speech, I liked it better without her actually talking. I don't know. It sounded better.
0: But. You know, what's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating. I'm going to jump in here. Um, it boggles my mind that we're, we're in this right now. And we had a gentleman uh, who uh, spoke about this for many, many years. Uh, someone who was a representative of the uh, U.S. Uh, of Texas in the U.S. Congress. I'm talking, about, of course, of Ron Paul who, for his many faults, had many great things about his message. And it bugs my mind that today, people are not seeing that this whole system is made so that it implodes. Everybody who's been in office after a certain point has been working to this very end. It's all been calculated. There's nothing that is miscalculated. It's not about being incompetent. Obama was not incompetent. We all know this. Obama is an intelligent officer. He knows this very well. His job is to basically implode the United States economics is to take everything that you have and you've worked for and basically cripple you everything that you have is no longer yours it belongs well, to
1: you the didn't state. learn that
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know we're not we're meant to be dependent on the system so that they have eventually as Mike was just saying previously so that they eventually have total control over us and they can map for themselves how we can make them, uh, or rather how they they can make us continue to work to their, before their ends. You know, this whole thing is manufactured. People don't get that. People are still saying, oh, Biden's incompetent. Well, first of all, we know Biden is not running the White House. We, we all know that. There are people behind him who are pushing this agenda and who've been pushing it since as much as, as far as we know, since uh, the debt ceiling just kept being increased more and more. With no clear vision of how to come back down to earth. And while Obama
1: certainly was not incompetent, um, we can't say that forever. We are doing the work that
9: is about collaborating around the small businesses that will need to do the work that will be the result of all the trillions of dollars we're putting into the infrastructure of our country, including
1: the tr- almost trillion dollars that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the infrastructure that yeah. sounds
1: uh quick yeah. make up a word quick put a word right. in
0: <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't get a video of her cackling that would have been a right. nice finish to that i got
1: i have <laughs> to put one in here actually but uh but no i think you're right i mean in terms of the, that is the game and in so many of the currencies of the world have been on a race to the bottom for a long time now and it's, uh, you know, who can devalue their currency the fastest, who can right. get you to the, the lowest dev. And right. e- even for but, the United States, in the economists have their theory, oh, yeah, that'll little increase your, your exports, and it'll keep you competitive and uh, all these things. And yeah, but it depletes the purchasing power of the people it, that you, build you.
0: You're, you're exactly right. And guess what happened? If you try to play out of this system, if you try to find a way for your country to play out of the system if you want to try to find a way to secure the future for the people whom you love guess what happens they send a new world order after you they send a new world order after assad after gaddafi you know this is yeah. I, mean, I mean this is basically how how they play either you're in the system or you do not exist that
7: catholic faith and jewish power are like the two pans of a pair of scales. As Catholic faith goes up, Jewish power goes down. As Catholic faith goes down, Jewish power goes up. Because the Jews have always been, from the time that they crucified our Lord Jesus Christ, they have always been enemies of of the Catholic church.
0: You know what I call them? Mike, you were off uh, air when I brought this up. I now refer to them as the tribe called Quest.
3: (laughs) But is that is that because they're on a quest to dominate yeah, all of us?
0: That is exactly right. <laughs> Double entendre there, my brother.
9: <laughs> I
8: believe that together we can make America great again. And we,
9: what are you gay?
5: I am not gay. I have relationships with women, sex with men.
0: And I got news for you.
9: I need you it. Can I get you a drink, Mr. Powell?
5: Sure. Austin, we've got to look for Dr. Evil.
7: Wait, I've got an idea. (gasps)
9: Austin,
8: why on earth did you hit that woman?
7: Right, let me show you, baby. That ain't no woman. It's a man, man.
0: <laughs> it's a man, man. Uh, Brother,
1: you want to jump in?
3: I I just want to say one Kenny. thing. Can, can I just say one thing? Please jump, jump in. in. I just want to pause for a second to ID our radio broadcasting partner, the Crusade Channel.com media the way it should be. That's all I wanted to say. And if you were to go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot two r two T's, you know, I always knew when a telemarketer was calling growing up, they would say, is Mr. Perot there? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, listen, dude, you could get away with one silent T, all right? I don't know that you can get away with two silent T's. Crusadechannel.com slash parrot. You can get a founder's pass and if you get the founder's pass, you can get the first month free or $30 off. If you pay for the whole year, which is probably the most economical thing to do. dot broadcasting partner. That's all I want to say. You, you can go to brother. Brother has something more real to say. That's fine. <clears throat> you can skip over me just cause I'm on a cell phone. I'm in the <laughs> back of the bus in February. It's not my month.
1: Wait. Well, he is too. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, He just indicated to me that his his cell phone's worse. So we're going to let Gavin take it for us. Clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country's ever made.
8: I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. If you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, We all need to self-medicate periodically.
1: (laughs) James, we all need to self-medicate, apparently. And by the way, our other uh, hosts are... Working in the devices, I guess the Chinese balloon or whatever balloon is still (laughs) over uh, the uh, RTF uh, compound. So it's uh, not happening (laughs) tonight. Hopefully we can see if they get back in. Um, So, James. Yes, sir. Self-medicating is what we have to do now, according to uh, the governor of California.
0: Uh, (laughs) Where do we even go with that? There's there's nowhere else to go. I mean, these people make fun of themselves just by opening their, their mouths. They have no shame. And with every instance that they uh have to talk to cover their tracks, people in their state realize more and more that they've been had. Or at least we can we can hope. You know, the question is what what uh are Californians gonna do <laughs> do about this? And the answer is they may they may be trapped, you know. Uh the time to exit California may be uh, uh slowly coming to to a close we try to recall gavin newsom in 2022 and that didn't happen because the voting machines are not working in california they're not working in arizona they're not working in california they're not working in georgia you know, so these people might be here for the long term. And so they can say whatever they want to say with zero repercussions. And so they might even be laughing at us. We saw Gavin Newsom laughing at us during the pandemic, going out, having a great ball, eating with his friends, uh, basically smiling at the camera. You, know, you have to know people are with their cameras when you're out and about in public. Do they care? The answer is no. And they continue to not care. Meanwhile,
1: as he calls for us to uh,
0: self-medicate.
10: You're okay. You're not going to get
0: COVID if you I'm, have I'm, I'm these vaccinations. I'm surprised
3: that didn't make it to yeah. the intro, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get COVID
0: if you're not vaccinated.
3: I just want to do a quick shout-out. Can I say thank you to Ryan? Ryan made the intro. Ryan has assembled all the videos. Ryan's taken charge of the rundown midstream after the uh, – the strange Chinese balloon is over uh, Kansas City and just wrecking our internet right now. Ryan is cool with me being on a cell phone now. I'm on an iPad. We're still waiting for Tradpad. He's in a line somewhere. He's about to get in a car. He's gonna dial in from the car. So the entire show, my 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 kudos to Ryan. All I did was show up here. And you know you know what you would do? What would you do if you planned a live stream? And it was a big event. You had a big guest, and you were excited about it and everything went to hell in a handbasket. You would light a second cigar, pour yourself a second Negroni, and just roll with it.
0: Michael, I I don't like that you refer to me as Negroni. I'm sitting right here.
3: <laughs> I called it I called it a Negroni.
0: It's oh, <laughs> okay. just the lack of the accent. A Negroni. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. Negroni, it's a Negroni. Yeah. I drank Negroni last night with a true Italian, actually. And you know oh. what he did when I served him a, a Negroni? He chugged it.
0: <laughs> 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 you sure this is not an Irish-Italian? No, <laughs>
3: he's a true Italian from Florence. Actually, grew up, mm. he grew up like 15 minutes from the Institute uh, uh, seminary and has all the dirt on it. It's it's really incredible the thing the stories he was telling me about about uh, Gricoliano. Is that how you say it? Gricoliano. Uh, yeah. 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 So uh, I will refrain from.
0: Sounds like right now you're refrain you're refraining from talking at all. Indeed. <laughs> well, cutting out. Is it
3: even cutting out on the iPad?
0: It's it's, yeah. it's cutting out. Yeah. Mike, it's it's the
2: Wi-Fi, it's it's cell phone data. It's just, there's just this dome around our the con, the complex here, the monastery. Yeah. Uh, I must say there. this
0: is the triumph of the Nigerian trad today. Everything's working. My <laughs> video is working. My microphone's working. You know my computer is not crapping out on me. This this is a good day for me. But I'm sorry that uh, we have to deal with this technical difficulty in such a a great day. Uh, so many things to cover. Uh, yes. And yet uh, it's the Ferndale cool and to be clear too,
1: we uh, were not trying to play the media game of dangling trad pet in front of you and uh, then only have him show up towards the end. That's not anything that we intended. I actually rather was excited for him just talking and being hilarious for an hour and a half or something like that.
0: Um, do we yeah. Do we know exactly what the uh, if the satellite completely missed Ferndale or? Oh yes,
2: it was incident from Oh yeah, see,
0: yeah, there we go, folks. They over <laughs> for, some, <laughs> for some reason,
2: they wanted to pass over where where at least two of us are. So it's like, yeah. hmm. So, so I here's would be interested in us. The flight yeah.
3: path, the flight path of the balloon, it skips northern Idaho, and mm-hmm. we don't know why.
0: Oh, wow. I think, yeah.
3: I think because there was enough munitions in northern Idaho that it would not have <laughs> survived.
1: <laughs>
2: or, you, you know, I who's that oh, 60,000
1: feet. I don't know that any civilians got what it takes to shoot it down. But, um, you know, maybe I can't even think if you got in a hot air balloon, I don't think you get high enough to hit it with anything. Maybe someone's got something that could do it at that if you could at least get half as high.
3: Oh, Which... I'm, convinced, I'm convinced there are some munitions in Idaho that can hit that thing.
1: <laughs> there are the munitions. I don't know who got them. I certainly don't. <laughs> Mine perished in a boating accident, Mr. ATF. So, But anyway, um, so let's take it to, since we're talking about it, uh, although I don't actually know where this is, but this is a wonderful video of a robber and getting his uh, Just Desserts. There's no sound for it unfortunately but
3: <clears throat> Here we, we go. Airing. Oh, these look like some Italians.
1: Yep. That's what I was saying too.
0: Yeah, you oh, weren't yeah, a this is with an gun? Yeah. In yeah.
3: Tucson, Arizona.
0: Yep. Looks like a bu- <laughs> look like a bunch of Italians. <laughs> Sicilian
3: now- Some people know, some people know that Trad Patrick has some Italian blood in him,
2: but (laughs) mostly Arab, but that's actually a fallacy. And tonight,
3: tonight for the first time, the moment he dials in, he will dispense, we will dispense with the fallacy of the, of the spicy meatball, because we're actually going to find out that he's Middle Eastern. (laughs) Those in the run, we 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 four in the rundown have known this for a long time. Of course, Mm -hmm. but the secret is about to be unveiled, and we will glimpse upon the face of Muhammad.
1: Any minute now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't know if the people want us to stall to, to stall any further or to just say, "Hey, he's not coming."
1: Well,
0: let's, let's just <laughs> let's just carry on with the show.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's take it to the next one uh, since we're talking about the jab. And uh, people remember New Zealand. Remember uh, Patricia Ahern, who was—if uh, that's how you say her name, right? I'm not from there, so I apologize if I messed it up. But uh, she was the one talking about uh, putting people in camps and, you know, just proud of locking down her entire country uh, for disarming the populace because of a foreigner who came to their country and uh, and shot someone in a very mysterious, possibly state sponsored circumstances. So they said, oh, she's finally leaving. This is great. Well, meet the new boss. Sam is the old
10: one. I think early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on so uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year uh, but of course, you know, and I want every New Zealander to come forward but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year but our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year, uh, everyone will uh, but I, I can't say that, you know. Know, that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next year
1: <clears throat> that's right she's gone isn't it great oh wait a minute we just got the exact same thing
0: <sighs> so is this it, it, well he said new zealand right so that that's uh just the order.
1: Yeah, what's her right name? I'm sorry, I got her name wrong.
0: Yeah, just Jacinda Arden. Jacinda Arden,
1: okay, yes. Well, I totally got her name wrong, but you know what, <laughs> what a proletarian witch she is. I'm actually not that sorry, but um, anyway,
5: Asking what do you think, think we input. need to do? Oh, we need a revolution, yeah. and we need uh, it no. now, no. not later.
0: Now, do we want to talk about the uh pope's visit to? Africa, we haven't you know, up to that.
3: We, we mentioned it, we mentioned it before you dialed in. In oh, the context okay. of now that Brother Bugnolo has announced that he's the real Pope, it's a blessing that he went to Africa, right? <laughs> right,
2: but there, there is that one new thing. There is that one new thing that uh, uh, Pope Francis has asked Catholics to lay down their arms in defending themselves against the Muslim terrorists oh and right. so they're all supposed to just let themselves and their families their children just to get killed slaughtered um for the sake
0: of peace because christ was peaceful liberation theology there you go right and, and that's exactly right and you know what might seem like um an unpopular opinion of course is when we recall uh the directives that the uh Cristero got from uh pope pius 11th um Uh, You know, this is sort of the same, I mean, that that was sort of uh, what ended their, uh, what would have been a a victory, you know, I think. They needed an assurance that uh, they were going to prevail. They needed some sort of words of encouragement against the uh, Freemasons, and instead they they got the, hey, just put down your weapons. And when I think of the slaughter that's been going on in Africa for for almost, uh, you know, 15, 20 years now with the... Uh, Mohammedans in that uh, Sahara re- uh, region in, in Northern Africa, most particularly, um you know, we don't need to hear as, as a West African, you know, we don't need to hear, uh, you know, uh, someone who is the vicar of Christ. I know he's resigned that term, but we don't need to hear someone who claims to be the vicar of Christ telling us to put down our arms and to try to embrace the uh, Mohammedans, who are causing gr- grief and strife in that that region? People go to church uh, every Sunday, hoping uh, to, to see our Lord and or to yeah to receive our Lord and the blessed sacrament. They're not hoping to become martyrs, but that is that is exactly what often happens. And the the shame to all of this is we saw a report this week that helps us understand the gravity of this situation, 94% of people in Nigeria today attend weekly service. They attend mass on Sundays, 94% of Nigerians, you know, and this is not a small number. It means people wake up despite knowing the dangers that lie ahead. These people, these Nigerians wake up and go to worship, you know, and these, this is, this is why the, uh, Mohammedans target us on sunday specifically that's where most of us are, are going to be we're going to be at mm-hmm. church and it's unfortunate uh it's been going on for about 15 years now uh iterations of of this uh group of people first it was boko haram and then there are other names that you can associate i guess you know isis in nigeria is boko haram you know uh and in other regions of uh, western nigeria uh it's just been an atrocity uh that the governments uh in general don't want to address this issue it's almost like it's almost as, as though they're happy to to see and i don't want to use the word happy it's almost it's almost like they are in, allowing this to happen and to go on for so long you know it's, it's a travesty and then to have somebody purporting to be the vicar of christ uh basically saying this is not your fight put down your weapons and embrace each other what's going to be the first thing that happens when we put down our weapons we're going to get slaughtered even more you know um, so th- this, it's, it's a real shame. And on, on top of that, to go into that region and talk about, uh, the rights that James Martin is, is, uh, uh, is, is, is promoting, talking about it as, as, as though things have changed and there's a new chapter where, where, where he knows the people, the church in Africa is totally against this, you know, and this is seen as. Uh, for them, a, a further slap in the face, uh, much like uh, what's the cardinal, uh, is it Cardinal Marx, uh, who basically said uh, Africans are second field or whatever happens there shouldn't be uh, what the church in the entire world should, should be doing. We should look past Africa. We're not the ones who are going to uh, to basically uh, 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 be, be looked at as carrying the, the gospel. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be progressive Catholics, where wherever the where whatever the Pope says, we just kind of carry along as though uh, you know it's okay for us to have a new gospel? But it's not okay to have a new gospel, and a lot of cardinals and bishops are at least speaking up against this fact, even though they're not directly attacking Francis. They at least understand, from their perspective, that things certainly cannot change. And thankfully, uh, we're seeing this as a cultural thing, which in a set in, in a sense, it's not. It's not bad. Even though we don't have this as, uh, you know, you can talk to anybody, even atheists out there who say, well, there's a the, uh, natural uh, thing that people are doing in the West and we don't want it here. You know, even an atheist can see that in Africa. And so this this is a very uh, uh, shameful uh, thing that Francis is, is doing and whether or not he's doing it to shame the Africans into uh, <clears throat> subjugation. Uh, you know, it's left to be seen, but uh, certainly we haven't heard the last of this. And there, there's so many other things in this trip, too, but that one especially
1: comes to mind. <clears throat> Somebody made the comment, if he really thinks that, well, <clears throat> why does he need to his Swiss guard? Go out and meet people without guys with guns surrounding him? You know, And this is the case for every Western leader is out there screaming about gun control and all these things. It's like, why are you guarded by a whole legion of people with weapons then? Why do you get private security around your houses? Why don't you go out and meet the people you supposedly represent? Oh, no, I'll be killed in five seconds. Yeah, what, is, what does that tell us about the kind of societies that you supposedly rule you know, yeah. and, and likewise, you know, for Pope Francis, too, it's like you really believe that take down the walls in the Vatican, take down all these armed guards and everything. I mean, Vatican security is some of the, you know, the top security for for the space it manages. And <laughs> right. uh, why do you have all that? If, yeah. uh, you know, you should just, you know, why is it the Africans who are facing these things? Why do they have to lay down their weapons mm-hmm. and, and, and to suffer these things? And then there's another thing that uh, I'm going to add this here that the, the pope said. I'm speaking in general of the world, hands off the Democratic Republic of Congo, hands off Africa, stop choking Africa. It's not a mine to be stripped or terrain to be plundered. And I hear that. And obviously that's a message I 100 percent support. But at the same time. (laughs) African governments are entirely complicit because they get all sorts of tax benefits from the banking institutions, which the Vatican is tied into, from the, the same climate institutions that the Pope is, you know, always parading around the Vatican to tell us why we need to, you know, freeze a little bit more in the winter and uh, suffer a little bit more in the summer, lest uh, Mother Earth cry or something like that. And, uh, you know, blessed Harambee be killed again and things of this sort. He never said that directly, by the way. But I'm paraphrasing, but th- that's the kind of you know thing we get all the time. And then, in order to do that, in order to sort of stop burning whatever that's supposedly you know going to bring about climate Armageddon, uh, you have to replace it with something. And thus, your lithium mining, your your rare earth metals, and all the many many tons of things that go into one stupid cell phone battery. That of course is sourced in Africa but with the complicity of their governments. It's like uh, don't point the finger at me, because uh, the people you support make it cheap to exploit African children for labor. You know, it's huh. it, it almost like a plank in your own eye moment. Huh. This is not
3: this is not the only hypocrisy, though. No. You know, I mean, there's there's this there's this neocon, JP two Catholic fallacy that. You know that Africa is going to save the church, and and it's it's, it's really a it's really a, a pretty sad double speak that we hear. On the one hand, Africa is going to, to save the church, but on the other hand, Africa stop being so orthodox, stop being so serious about the faith. Just let the Muslims do their thing. Um, you know, and, and it's and it it almost becomes a self contradictory, almost schizophrenic message, where you know where. Fran- uh, frank the uh, merciful going out of his way to try to counter signal all of the jps that
9: uh
3: well the church will be saved by africa there's all these vocations all these converts uh it's okay that the west dies let the old world die let 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 Germany die, it's long dead. Uh, you know how I feel about the Germans, anyway. Uh, but but, but th- that we're, we're, it's a numbers game, and we have good numbers in Africa, so it's all good. So the Catholic Church is fine and it's healthy because of Africa. And I feel like this is a topic that's not really discussed very often in the open. People are afraid to talk about it. We're not afraid here on The Rundown. We talk about whatever the heck we want to. But... Um, James, I know I've I've stolen some of your thunder. You've said some of this before, and it's true though.
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. Uh, and even carrying this this on so that like this can be made even blatantly clear and obvious to people, this is how they, they do it. They tell us we have to move forward. They tell us we uh basically are the hope for the future. And then they say, in order for you to continue down this path of success, this part this uh path of removing colonialism from your from your future get rid of your past they tell us you uh basically uh you need all the economic support that you need that you all the economic support going forward to continue to build your infrastructures and things of that nature so the imf will then come in and propose all these things and offer all these things but guess what they hold us hostage you know in in order for us to buy into their economic system Guess what we have to do? In the same (laughs) breath, we're told we also have to support, you know, women's rights. Of course, that's cloak for uh, birth control. That's cloak for contraception, you know, and that's exactly what they 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 are proposing for us. And luckily, in in that aspect, you know, some some, uh, uh, you know, church officials in Africa will see that and will walk from it. But the vast majority of us under turks in, for instance turks in, and uh i forget the other uh, cardinal out there who are the front front men for uh pope francis in africa they're 150 percent behind this new movement you know and so people who want to say the church in africa is going to lead us, they are unaware at least they're oblivious to what that really means that means buying into this system unfortunately uh, it seems like our hands are tied because we so badly want to be part of the future that we are willing to sacrifice a lot of these things that that have made us shine, uh, you know, in the 19th and early 20th century as the Church of the Future. All this is dead, you know. Once we introduced Vatican II, that didn't just come with a change in liturgy; that came with a change in understanding. Of, uh, of the economic system, of, uh, you know, basically a buy into socialism and Marxism. It's it's a whole package. And they are coming after us so hard and so fast that um, there's really nothing we can do. Those people who have become martyrs understand this because now they're seeing the face of our Lord and they can basically sing, uh, Or or rather, uh, we we can basically sing, uh, uh, yell as loudly as we can, but the wheels are already in motion to destroy what is left.
1: Brother, how's your uh, internet working? (laughs) Are you? I don't know. You you tell me. I've I've been
2: more or less doing well in terms of audio listening, except for Mike. Mike's. Well, I don't know. Like I said, there's a dome around us. So, Go go as long as you can. About? Africa. <laughs> Africa. <laughs> well, we don't need to listen to those Africans. We're, they're not going to change the church. Just kidding. Uh, actually, there was a recent reporter who visited Africa who ended up randomly dying from malaria. Rest in peace. Uh, George Neymar. Um, as far as Africa's influence on the rest of the world, it's spotty because there is a lot of traditionalists going to Africa. Like, for instance, I I lived with a a priest a few years ago who was from Ghana. There we go. That's it. (laughs) John and I were constantly doing the traditional Latin mass, and he began to attend whenever we do it. And later on I want to ask him, you know, I, I thought, you know, either he had never experienced it being an African. He had never uh, um, found interest in it. But since it was available to him, you know, right down the hallway from his room that he would just, you know, come and experience it. But he said, no, no, in Africa, there's a lot of interest for this. In fact, if if one, if one a priest in Africa does the traditional Latin mass, he would give many, many stipends. Yes. So I I, I want to learn traditional Latin mass. And I just looked at Father John. and was like, "Did this guy really just say he's in it for the money?" Because that's really just what he said.
0: <laughs> right. it, it's yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, there. I mean, if people want to talk about clericalism, it exists fully in places like India and places like Nigeria. You know, people want a way up. They want a leg up. They want a way up. They want a a, a leg up out of the strife that's that's under them. And that's understandable, and that's something that affected the church in the in in the early days, you know, in the uh, in the early uh, uh, you know days of the church. Into um, it, now, you know, I mean, the gospels talk about this, you know, and it's people are looking for a way out of poverty, and some of them they they recognize, uh, unfortunately, that uh, a way a way to have three meals a day is to become.
2: A priest. Another thing that he said to me that was that was very striking, and this might have to do with why Africa seems to be so booming. Uh, we, were, we were driving to a parish one day. I was dropping him off at a, at a at a parish because he had mass that day, and he said, "You know, I really admire you, American seminarians, because in America you can have so many things. You can have a nice job, a nice car, nice family. You can have so many material things, and you give the, all of that up." To become a priest, to become a religious. In Africa, it's the exact opposite. Many people are poor, they have very few things, but when they become a seminarian and priest, they need
1: many, many well, it's still more intelligible than Biden. Many, many, many young
2: people uh, I don't know where, he, where I cut off on, but many, many, many young people in Africa apply to the seminaries, but they have to be very strict and filter a lot of them out for, for what a smart, intelligent, and they, that's what they typically look for, smart, intelligent young men, rather than actually people that, I guess, a St. John Vianney or some sort, because a lot of people want to enter semin, seminary and become priests precisely, precisely because of the, of the guaranteed lifestyle. So when it comes to diocesan vocations in Africa and Ghana, at least this is from a priest from Ghana, be very in one sense not skeptical, but but question the the numbers, only because you do have a lot of people wanting to enter seminary and become priests, but for the wrong reasons. You're, you're
0: absolutely right. In,
1: in Europe too, don't forget. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, in the yeah. Middle Ages, you had people who yeah. were just hunting for benefices because they gave a guaranteed income. If you went to university and, and you were really good at Latin and you were good at law and other things, you had state service and church service. And depending on which one would pay better, that's where often you would go. And, he, and then you have people like John Fisher who goes through this system and he feels the call to the priesthood. He has legitimate holiness and it's it can be seen from the very minute that, that he enters on a clerical life. Whereas you have an, another figure Cardinal Wolsey, the future Cardinal Wolsey, Thomas Wolsey, uh, son of an Ipswich um, innkeeper that was often on the wrong side of the law. His father was fined often for keeping an unclean house. So he goes to the free grammar schools. He learns Latin. He's very brilliant. And so he ends up in the university and he goes the career route in the church. And we see how, you know, how they ended up in completely different ways. One's a glorious martyr. The other one, well... You know, he died a very painful and miserable death, fearing Henry's men coming to fetch and move it to a treason trial for not getting Henry what he wanted, right. never, you know, crying out, if only I served my king as I'd serve my God. And these are the more like famous and notable examples. But this goes all the way down to a, a, a country cleric, St. Francis Xavier, when he first went to Paris, it was mainly to pick up an education so he could be cosmopolitan back in a rundown Podung place and be kind of like one of the local magnates. It didn't really have much to do with, uh, you know, being in orders or being a priest serving God until he had, you know, his his interior conversion through Ignatius. So, you know, and we can go on to the, a lot of examples of that through the, through the history of the church. And in the 19th century, you have the French Revolution. So a lot of uh, any French priest that was just living in his uh, vicarage to get his income. Well, he was quickly put to the choice. You're going to deny Christ and accept this new state religion um, or you're going to be unlawful. We're going to kill you. And in probably, I think, two thirds formed. Only one third became, you know, non jure they They'd be illegal priests, basically. And then once after the revolution, when everything's restored, you have a flowering of you know, of uh, you know, vocations in France because now it's not glamorous. It's not, even once the Babones are restored, course, the further turmoil that come through France in the 19th century. You're not guaranteed a good living by being a priest anymore. You're going to be hated. There could very well be new barricades and a new commune and you'll be killed. And that's a real threat that could come down with a fulminate in just a couple of years. You know, it's uh, even after the seemingly peaceful times under Napoleon Third, and then you get to the end of the Franco-Prussian war, and you get back to the barricades. And you have setting up the Third Republic and the new commune. And so it's uh, that was always a danger. And you had a lot of really holy priests, a big flourishing of French spirituality. You need that persecution to to weed that out of the church from time to time, just like the blood of the martyrs. So also, you know, major state persecutions, heresies, so many things to renew the spirit in the life of the faithful. And and I think and of course, we're the greatest one, the very greatest. I think that that's ever been seen in the church. And that's precisely when it's all over, even though we can't really see the end of it right now, that's going to be the effect of it, is holy priests.
0: That's exactly right. And now a point of uh, uh, memory here for me, uh, did Woolsey leave anything in his will for uh, his mistress? I I think to... to, Henry uh, confiscated
1: it. He needed the money, but eventually was prevailed upon to give her a a income of some sort. But I just don't remember the details on how much it was.
0: Right, and 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 that's exactly what I was getting at. You know, even even as he uh, was lying close uh, to death, he was not exactly uh, worried about the right things. He was worried about the mistress that he, (laughs) he he had. Right, exactly. Uh, i think
3: i think it's worth i think it's worth saying though that it's it's really not the worst thing in the world to make uh, living a vocation accessible to people and attractive as an alternative you know i i almost think that you know for it to be this mag monumental sacrifice is makes it even more of an insurmountable uh obstacle Two vocations, you know what I mean? Like I I feel like when we lived in a society that sort of promoted them and supported them, and it was like, okay, well, your your standard of living, let's say, we lost its
1: standard of living
3: when 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 those two things are more or less equal. Then you know it's it's almost like okay you're you're evaluating the two options on a more equal playing field. So I don't want to downplay the idea that in a Catholic society, that living a Catholic vocation is just as viable uh, a, a quote unquote lifestyle choice, let's say, uh, as 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 not pursuing a vocation. I mean, I just I just feel like if, if it's if it's this insurmountable uh, obstacle of 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 Sacrifice, then yeah, we're going to have less of them. And less vocations puts us in this downward spiral, you know, where we, where if we have less vocations, we have less monasteries, we have less masses, less pleasing sacrifices to God, less prayers, you know. And so I, I sort of th- look at it and say, well, maybe in a just society, in a Catholic society, we would promote and defend in a way. A, uh, yeah,
0: hold on. So, in a less in a less just society, we would promote and defend.
3: No, in a more just society, we would. In a
0: more just society, we would promote and defend what? Vocations. Vocations, right? I
3: you mean, know. look, we look, we we have a vocation crisis.
0: Yeah, and absolutely.
3: Brother, and Brother Martin knows all about it. But 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 the fact of the matter is is that we also live in a in a world where. Of vocation is so extreme compared to, you know, getting the job, having the material life or whatever, that, that it even presents one additional obstacle that maybe never existed in history before. That's you're all maybe, I
2: want In one sense, I don't know. I know, I know where you're going <laughs> with this and there's, and there's two different ways. And once it's like a respondent in one sense, I mean, I I remember the story of uh, St. Clair of Assisi. I mean, for her, it was either you become married to some rich person, rich family, or you become the abbess of some Benedictine monastery. Like, you can literally buy, you know, a pape, a convent. It's one of the reasons why they they used to take away uh, a monk or a nun's last name and just give him a title. You know, like uh, Saint Teresa of the, of the Little Flower of the Holy Face, or whatever. They just take away the the last name and just give them a, a title because last names meant something to that society. Um, but you're right in the sense, de- definitely right in that it, it is extreme. But that's because I mean, I think a few times I've said before, it's because I think families are are unwilling to accept the fact that they live so comfortably. Like, uh, there was a a family I I was speaking to, actually, a a husband and father of two girls who were third-order members of this community that was very penitential, lived very poorly, begged for their food and all that kind of stuff. And he asked me, like, what do I need to do to be able to, so that my my daughters would be able to recognize their vocations? And I simply said, well, take away their cell phones and take away all their, their fine clothing and give them something more reasonable. And that's where the conversation ended. He turned away from me and... That's that society, especially um, lay people have been, become very comfortable with living luxurious lives that they think that they as, 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 you know, husband, father, wife, mother have the, the uh, obligation to, to, to create as much of a luxurious life for the children as possible not realizing that their children become attached to to certain material, materialist things, uh, material things while growing up. So that when they become um, of age, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, they have so many attachments that have, that have been presented to them by their parents inadvertently, you know, not intentionally, but they have developed these attachments so that they can't properly discern. I mean, they, they, they want the suburban house with the white picket fence you know, many children because they think, well, if this gets me to heaven, then why, why go anywhere else? I mean, it's my natural desire, marriage. If this gets me to heaven, why go anywhere else? And that's and that's, I think, a question that a lot of people can answer. Like, if, if it's heaven, what what would what parents say to this question?
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? You were cutting in and out there, but I mean, I kind of get the gist of what you were saying. I mean, look at the life, uh, for instance, of this very young uh, martyr, uh, Jose, uh, what's his name, Um, Del Rio, uh, who basically at 13, uh, 14, if I recall correctly, uh, was saying something to the effect of, I'm not built for pleasures. Instead, I'm I'm built to uh, to become a saint to fight for Christ. You know, and this was somebody who uh, at at such a young age already with within him had the disposition uh, that led him to taking to taking that stand. Uh, what well, what was uh, John Bosco teaching those kids who were around him? You know, who uh, didn't have uh, the, uh, the you know the, the, you know the, uh, the, the resources around them to have uh, what kids today have. He took those kids who had nothing and basically deposited in them uh, uh, the faith, so that they could rightly uh, live according to 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 what it is Christ made us for. And someone like uh, Dominic Salvio, for instance, or Jose is it Jose Sanchez del Rio. I, f- I forget his middle uh name yeah and these yes. are these are these are children we, we we ought to uh have as heroes for our children and for our children's children and we need to recognize the work that these uh young young men I'll use that word uh basically uh did I'm going to send him to outer space to find another
1: race <laughs> So we have to pause here for uh, station identification. You are, of course, listening to us on uh, either on YouTube or on Twitter or on Rumble. Uh, but did you also know that you can listen to us on the Crusade channel, the Crusade Radio Network, radio like it should be. And so now we're going to move on to right, I'm just going to put it out there. It's the elephant in the room. I think at this point it's probably likely that TradPat's not going to get here. So just the genesis of it, he explicitly asked he wanted to come on, contacted us, he even announced it on his channel. You can see the video on the Rights and Duties channel. He said he was coming on. So this was not a gimmick. It's bad practices in live streaming to say, oh, let's 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 get everyone, let's get more viewers this way. Just fix people off.
11: That's and so what we're really
1: sorry mean. that you came here for Tradpet and you've just had us. We, we really are actually. It, it was not a cheap gimmick to get you to listen because we know that not seeing Tradpet you're going to be ticked off and you're probably not going to come back next week. So just so you know, this was not an artifice of ours. Um, I I don't know if Mike if you've heard anything from him. Is he going to?
3: So uh, the late I don't know if you can hear me because of the yes. the latest is that he is. He he was on a flight. He was supposed to land several hours ago. He got redirected to another airport. Then had to rent a car to get to go. Car rental. For you, if you wait a minute, you get the vehicle that you need. So now he's waiting for the vehicle that he needs. It's the worst timing in the world. He's 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 waiting for a vehicle. And yeah, it is what it is. We will have him when we have him. We know that he's alive. He'll be back whenever he can come back. And maybe at that point we'll have better internet here in the heartland of America, where the Chinese won't be zapping us. I don't know. Uh, I don't, brother. I don't know if you have a headache or anything from the radio wave or the 5G or the 6G or the 10G that is happening right now. It doesn't matter if I'm on a cell phone, an iPad. The internet, the, the iMac, the laptop, doesn't matter what device I'm on, I, I am I am sitting here smoking a cigar just thinking to myself,
8: this is the rundown.
2: <laughs> well, we do it all for free. So that, at the end of the day, what we got is what we got. What we got to use we got, is what we got to use. So
1: right, that's it. So I think we can do... Just one more quick round on a subject that we didn't cover when it when it was happening. Uh, He's in the ground and buried now. Cardinal Pell passing away. It's a subject we haven't really talked about. Um, Cardinal Pell, of course, is a big figure in Australian politics. uh, Roundly held to be very conservative. And as we discovered uh, in the wake of his death, extremely critical of Pope Francis. what do we mean? and of course so you, with their whole uh, stuff of him being falsely accused, thrown in jail, acquitted by the high court, put back out, um, you know, in, into the into freedom. What do we make of his death? Eighty-one, probably natural causes, but I don't know. My mind automatically goes to, oh, we couldn't get him in jail, so let's get him this way.
3: Uh, <laughs> well, you know, look if if you look at it rationally, like you just did, Ryan. You may be accused by certain fake news organizations of just of of just hawking conspiracy theories. But Look, we had we had Father John die, and you know this this stream of death uh, from 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 the Rome all the way to here locally where we are. And you know maybe it's supernatural, maybe it's natural, maybe it's uh, it's conspiratorial, maybe it's the lavender mafia uh, but but whatever it is, what we are seeing is that the good guys are being pulled out of here and what we are left with is Francis the Merciful who's now been elected Pope by Bugnolo and um, look it Pell was on to him. He was on to him on the finances. Uh, he he was he was he was chasing the, the Vatican Bank and then he was pelled. And to be pelled is an actual adjective. It means something. To be pelled. It means you're falsely accused of something and you're put in prison. And even you know? uh and 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 so as a result of that i i don't fault anyone for looking at the fact pattern and being suspicious of the idea that well he just had a heart attack i know some people in the live chat some people who are very close to the case are like well you guys have to know he had a he had a weak heart and stuff i understand that i also understand that when you kill someone you want to make it look like a natural cause so you appeal to the thing that everyone already knows is weakness um i'm not saying that he was killed i don't really know i'm not in australia but it's a weird thing uh, ryan and i'm glad you brought it up it's a weird thing that we lost benedict and pell and newmeyer and father john all within like a week mm-hmm. and here, and here we are and we're waiting for tra- for traditional Casotas to, uh, th- you know, 2.5 or whatever, because there was a, there was a letter after 1.0, so maybe 1.5. So 2.0, right? So we're waiting way that happened, and how been, done, and like half the cardinals and the Nubia are dead, and so it's a, it's a waiting game.
1: Certainly, James, uh, your thoughts on Pell
0: not well, necessarily I, I, a
1: conspiracy I, angle you want to go there that's great too but
0: well i i share a lot of uh concerns uh with uh that uh, mike just uh mentioned uh you know again i don't want to speculate on what i think may have happened but just to draw more uh attention to the fact that it was strange how it all ended i don't know uh if he had a sudden heart attack because of a certain uh, uh, prick that was put in him. I don't know if he had a certain heart attack uh, due to, uh, you know, the cause that other people are dying from uh, more and more recently. I have no idea, but the timing of it is very suspicious. And we can't just ignore that. Yes, he was, uh, was he 81 uh, years old? So um, we know, especially with the uh, information that was released uh, recently uh, since his passing, that he was the author of that uh, letter and he undersigned it as uh, Demos. So people are drawing more speculation that this might not have been incidental. We don't know, but we have a right to ask these questions. Uh, I I, for one, do not take anything at face value anymore, at least not these days. And I think it's uh, prudent to do so. Um, we're living in strange times and strange things are happening around us. And we just have to recognize that and not uh, talk about those things. Um, may God rest his soul. Um, I, I didn't certainly agree with a lot of things that he, he said prior to uh, the uh, uh, prior to his arrest, you know, and then his subsequent imprisonment uh, and uh you know that's not water under the bridge definitely but that's just you know uh a question to ask which which i'm sure he would have answered uh we've we've had a chance to be with uh Vigano for uh three four or five years now and so we've seen a gradual growth uh in his faith and his belief and certain things that he disavowed uh to this present stage maybe pell was in on that same uh a journey. Maybe his journey was a lot quicker after his imprisonment, uh, but certainly speaking, he was a Francis uh, defender up until you know that letter uh, was released. And so uh, there are a lot of unanswered questions. You know, what what was he onto? What was he going to release? Uh, what sort of information w- was out there? What was going to happen? Was there going to be another uh, conclave? Uh, I I have no idea. You know, uh, but uh, certainly certainly we, we have to ask these questions, and they are important.
3: And, and and the act of asking the questions is not uh, it's not uh, uh, out of the bounds of, of of the possibility. I mean, look, we need to live in reality, and when when things don't add up, we should ask the questions. And you can ask the questions in good faith without being called by by other Catholic media, conspiracy you know, theorists, or whatever it is. But the whole, whole thing is, if you're looking at the objective reality of the thing and saying, this looks weird, the timing is suspicious, Everyone, there, there are motives, you know, just asking the question, even about Newmyer, which we talked about already, it, it doesn't mean that you're like paddling some conspiracy theory or trying to grift off of people. I mean, the, the rundown, we don't even grift. We have a grifting segment, which is a total farce. You know, like Ryan, you sell, you sell books. That's a legitimate business. You know, James, your grift is always like whatever, whatever spiritual reading you're doing. My grift is usually I I skip it. Sometimes I talk about the $60,000 that I owe my lawyers. Uh, Brother Martin, your grift is that you want to pray in Latin. Okay. Cause this is not a real grift, right? Like we're not trying to grift here. And I think it's legitimate that we ask these questions without some faggot in a, in a, in a toupee. Telling us that we are that we are that we are Uh-oh. trying to take advantage of people.
1: Oh, other F word. streams <laughs> <This> dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
3: sorry, sorry, but but I mean, we're one one thousandth of the size. We're one one thousandth of the size. We're just asking the questions. We're saying, hey, you know, James, you actually knew Newmeyer some people here in the ch- in, in the in the chat we actually know cardinal Pell, i actually know father john some people who look at who, who look at the the whole you know pope benedict thing and whether or not he was a prisoner or not we you, you know we're just asking questions we're just we're just pointing out patterns and it's a, and it's and it's not illegal to to recognize a pattern mm-hmm. alex jones recognized patterns he was fined a billion dollars Okay, and the same authorities, the same people who are behind canceling Alex Jones, are behind Gary the Ferry and his stupid, and his stupid freaking toupee. What
1: is it? Coincidence theorists?
3: That's right. So uh, we're not we're not doing anything wrong by just asking the question, by just saying, hey, you know, uh, what did Pell do anything wrong? Did he run afoul of anybody? Did anybody have a motive for killing
9: him? Did
3: he
1: you were breaking up there
3: i'm sorry that's okay know. i've been on three no, but, that's, three
1: that's devices. just it though it's what? um we're breaking up <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> we've been together for three years now are we breaking up there's, uh, there's nothing what? wrong with asking a question was looking, and and uh, you know, one of the things I used to be attacked for, because I definitely was not a supporter of the Benedictus Pope thesis, and I'm still not, but I never had any issue with people saying, you know, something's screwy there. And to the extent I had some knowledge, I'd be happy to say, well, I don't think it happened this way because of X, whatever. But I never had any issue with anyone asking questions about it, or saying, yeah, something's screwy, or something was screwy there. Um, rather of jumping to that Im- immediate definite conclusion was the only thing I was and still am opposed to. And so, and we can go on and on, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's when things happen in the world, uh, you know, you start asking, well, the, the basic question you should start to ask is what uh, Cicero does in his very first legal case, quae bono, to who, who, the good, literally, whose benefit, who, mm-hmm. you know, benefits out of this action, who gets away with the dough. That's the question we've got to, you know, ask. And certainly there's a lot of benefits from Pell's sudden death. Um, that doesn't mean that it it was a conspiracy that somebody decided to kill him, that it was any kind of nefarious action could very well have been complications from his heart. It could very well have been complications from an unspecified medical intervention. Um, you know, of sorts, I I don't know what that could be, you know, the same thing in common with like athletes and, you know, all that sort of thing. maybe it was just perfectly that the guy was 81, you know, we can't rule any of that out. But we can still look around at the cui bono. It's like, well, he still could have voted, I think, right? Or is it 80, you don't get to vote anymore? He's 80, yeah. Okay, he couldn't vote. Um, you know, but especially if they know he's this critical voice and he's got some influence, they benefit mm-hmm. by getting rid of that critical voice. And then, but then again, like I said, if it's that's it, and then like Burke continues going about uh, others that have been critical of, uh, you know, the Sonata way and all that, they, they keep, you know, uh, keep, keep keeping on probably then, you know, I think it's probably more likely that it's natural causes, but that doesn't mean it's not, you know, and I think the best thing to do is just keep your, your eyes and your ears open and start connecting details. Sometimes remember details from, from a long time in the past and start putting it all together. Um, and that's uh, like, for me, one of the big things, like when I was a uh, teen, And I was on various conspiracy blogs, you know, way back then, forums or or chat rooms, actually, is what they were. And somebody was telling me about Operation Northwoods in 1997. And it was not yet declassified. And he described exactly what was in it, including things like crashing planes into buildings, people shouting in Russian, leaving Russian passports, blowing up buses, all this sort of thing. Right. And I said, that's I didn't believe it. I thought that was too nuts that our own government would try to do something like that, that they couldn't keep that under wraps. Somebody would have talked about that. Well, obviously somebody did because this guy knew about it. Well, I give that about five or six years and it's declassified. And once I saw that, I almost fell out of my chair. And then I started thinking about 9-11, which never sat right with me, crashing planes into buildings. And I said, you know, that, that is awfully familiar. And here this is, that guy was absolutely right. This was a real document that I didn't believe because it was too outrageous. Here it is, declassified. I I downloaded it from the government website once it was declassified. And, you know, I I couldn't believe it. Connect older dots. and What do you know? And then the whole wide world opens up when you get an Operation Monarch, Project Bluebeam, all these kind of things that are all legit. Project Bluebeam,
0: yeah, which people haven't even heard about.
1: Most people have never looked up Project Bluebeam.
0: You know what? We, 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 we. We were lucky back back in the old days, old days meaning about 10 years ago, uh pre pre Obama, where, where all, all of this stuff was actually cataloged online, easy to find. Easy to find online. You can go to we, we were trading uh websites back then because you could easily go on a website and just read the stuff. But then they started to have a campaign against disinformation uh, around that time that Obama yep. got elected, and all slowly all of this. Cataloged information online started to disappear, and basically, you'd log into to YouTube even to watch these uh, decades-old videos, and they were gone—simply mm-hmm. just disappeared well, yeah, overnight. And if you
1: listen, if anyone, I'm sure almost everyone in the audience, and we've mentioned before, is listen to James Corbett, yeah. uh, Canadian mm-hmm. researcher at Japan. He's done a ton of work that everyone here has benefited from in one way or another. And if you listen to his uh, his story, his life story how he came to all this stuff. He talks about how the first time he had, uh, you know, high speed internet, it was like 2007 in the wild west days of the internet. And they had Google video. If anyone's old enough to remember that, I think James and I are. Um, <laughs> and then before that, you know, it all merged into YouTube and even on YouTube and you, you would watch, uh, you know, a video on nine 11 or something like that. You'd watch loose change. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the famous documentaries. And then recommend something similar by another researcher and then you'd get something recommended by Alex from Alex Jones you get something recommended from you know Adam Schwartz you get something recommended from all of these different people who were uh, doing things at the time producing documentaries producing you know things on this So not every single one of them was absolutely right not every single one of them was completely perfect but on financial stuff on the on the Federal Reserve I mean yeah. Corbett did one of the very best documents on the Federal Reserve and it's all 100 percent from the Federal Reserve's own documents. And uh, what would it happens? Well, there's a reporter screaming about misinformation because his daughter at a school project found century of enslavement, the history of the Federal Reserve. And the next day, algorithms are uh, rewriting it so you can't even find it in a search. It's been blacklisted. And, uh, and Corbett has a phrase for that, burning down the library key of Alexandria. So not the <laughs> library, the library key. The stuff's still yeah. out there. But how are you ever going to find it? Can't. No. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, so we've uh, held you on for for quite a bit of time here, folks. It is that time. Money, 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 money. Money. Let's get uh, the problematic internet out of the way first. Okay. <laughs> My apologies, you guys. I was supposed
2: to have a Augustinian traditional calendar out by January, at least or mid December. But as you all know, Father John went into the hospital on December. It's uh get done before mid February. It's 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 on my to do list. So um I mean I've had a lot of funeral things and, and post funeral things uh, to to take care of too that are that are pretty essential. So it's on my priority list. I'll I'll get that up on the website um, as soon as possible. Also, um, soon thereafter, I will put up a a short history of the community too, because um, one of the things that we were concerned about um, with Father John was his health insurance coming from, from the diocese that he belonged to. Um, And when founding the Obes of St. Augustine, um, we didn't know exactly how things would go. We contacted several bishops about, um, you know, going into their diocese and whether or not they accept us, and a lot of them are very cordial. Um, the only uncordial bishop that we ever ran into was Bishop Johnston of this diocese of of all, of all places, um, largely to do with the church militant and their articles. And, and Christine Niles had m- m- admitted this on Twitter, so I don't have any problem saying this. Um, he was the old guard. He was the uh, uh, the one who received the traditional Augustinian charism from from a monastery up in Nova Scotia, uh, Canada. L- literally, the town is called Monastery, Nova Scotia. Um, St. Augustine's Monastery. And there it was one of the last monasteries that, that uh, kept to the traditional faith prior to uh, all the changes that were enforced after the Vatican II. So he grew up with a very traditional formation. Actually, his, his novice master is still alive, um, and I know who he is, and, and we've been in contact and all that kind of stuff. Um, so all, the, all that to say that what, what I want to affirm to everybody here watching who has supported the Oblates of St. Augustine and all that kind of stuff is that um, Father John is legitimately the founder of the Oblates of St. Augustine. He spent the last uh, eight to nine years um, forming me in the traditional Augustinian faith and the charism, um, so that I might be able to pass it on to others. So, um, regardless of what has happened, um, that's what I looked. I mean, I asked him, "Are transparent?" Um, and he gave me orders. He gave me strict orders. He said uh, to keep going, keep going with with the St Augustine. Keep going on your path, your priesthood. Everything is is set up so that everything can continue. And so, Father John himself set up a way for this community um, and for my path of priesthood to continue. So, so they will. I have strict orders to to continue from Father John, and so I will. Um, and so, that's kind of. I mean, it's not really a grift. I'm not asking for money or anything. I'm just telling you, my calendar is going to come out here soon, and and I'm going to keep working. So, um, things are going forward. Um, we're going to get over the church militant hurdle because honestly this was one of the sad parts with the whole father John saga was that three years ago he looked at me and said brother Martin I want at least five guys in this community before I die and we had like seven or eight guys um, all apply and then when they caught wind of the church militant articles and all that kind of stuff they all disappeared
1: You broke up right at the important point, which 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 was an important point (laughs) when uh, they they caught wind of the church militant articles.
2: Okay, yeah. So I had like eight eight guys, you know, all all, you know, kind of inquire about our community, want to come do visits. They caught wind of the church militant articles and and they all just disappeared. Um, So that kind of broke my heart because Father Father John, you know, he had worked for the typical commission in Ecclesia Day from 1988 to 1990 worked for the Fraternity of St. Peter, was their acting rector, was a rector of an Augustinian seminary, was faithful to his vocation in the traditional Latin Mass and in a very tumultuous uh, and turbulent age uh, to be a traditional Catholic. And with his last few years, after having been diagnosed with this uh, fibrosis in his lungs, all he wanted to do was establish just one traditional Augustinian monastery And with the last, literally with the last breath of his life, this this is what he wanted, and and unfortunately these articles took that away from. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going with it. We're gonna keep going.
3: Oh, it's, it's to me. Uh, you know, I, I just want to—I want to underscore something that Brother said. Because I happen to be present at Father John's last words. I happen to hear what he said, and I am a witness to everything that Brother Martin just said. His last dying wish was that Brother Martin keep going, keep the faith, establish a monastery, establish a Augustinian community and he said father john said on his deathbed try not to pick a fight with anybody but if you pick a fight win fight like hell and um, and that's exactly i think what is in order and what is necessary in every you have the opportunity to contribute to something that is now going to span multiple generations. And we need more monasteries, not less. We need more young men praying in Latin to God, praying the office, not less. And uh, to hell with Christine Niles and her coven of witches that wants to destroy everything that is beautiful. So giving.
0: Hello, everybody. This is what I am sharing today. This is uh, it's a book called Thought for the Day. This is a book that's put together using the words and encouragements of uh, Archbishop Affair. Basically, it's a 365 day booklet that has little aspirations in there to help us through the day. And this is particularly good for people who are always on the go. Uh, maybe you have, uh, you know, not a whole lot of time to, to meditate, you're in your car, you're cleaning at home. Uh, you can just uh, open up this book, maybe you're feeding your kids, your babies, uh, you can open up this book and uh, read an entry for that particular day. Uh, today is the third, and we have the Feast of Saint Blaze in here, and this is something for us to um, ponder on for the entire day. So this is uh, basically, it goes from January to December with, with every day uh, having something uh, that you can chew on. You can uh, basically uh, meditate on, it's a very good book. This is published by Angelus Press. I don't know if you can see that here. Uh, my lighting is a little bit poor. This is an Angelus Press book, and you can get this. It's very small. It's a pocket-sized book. So this can fit in your breast pocket. This can fit in your purse. Uh, do get this book. It's a very good book. Very succinct. Each day is succinct messaging that really sort of uh, sinks, sinks in very, very easily, digested very easily
1: okay so i don't have a legion of books uh today as i'm trying to bring everything to a close so um but uh i was hoping to get uh, sales um an update of my wife she, um i mean the baby of course she's doing great she continues to do great but my wife is not doing well um she's she's uh just not able to eat anything. And so we have a new round of specialists. I've got to bring her in next week to try to get uh, a nutrition tube put in a uh, pick line or something like that. And then we, so I have to evaluate whether I've even got the money for that, uh, which I, I don't have a giving thing set up yet. Cause I want to wait and see exactly what I'm up against with that. But uh, there's also the further difficulty, the further potential that uh, they could even refuse service. Because we're, even though they're not supposed to do that, um, you know, because we're not pursuing the treatments they want us to pursue. So, without going too much into detail about that, uh, at least I know people that have been refused even life saving treatment because you didn't do what they wanted to do. And they, the medical establishment is the least caring, least compassionate of all organizations on the earth so uh they they definitely are not um you know save a couple of nurses and a handful of doctors who really care here and there so uh, that's I, I don't i hope we're not going to deal with that i'm praying we're not going to deal with that but we'll see um so that's what's up next week in the middle as you really find our house is finally ready and we're trying to move into it but then we have all these snares in the meantime and things i like got to work around in child care and a two-year-old and a three-year-old that are quite the um quite the whirlwinds to deal with. So, so if you keep us in your prayers and then www.mediatrixpress.com, we've got books on the Reformation, we've got books on theology, we've got books on all sorts of things. Um, you know, just a lot of a lot of great stuff. So, you know, and I believe the, the rundown code is still good. So you can just type in the rundown or, or is it just rundown? Um, it, I, I believe it is just rundown. And uh, what is it, 10%? I think it's 10% off. I should have looked that up before, but uh, I didn't do that. So the uh, but that's uh, what we're up against. And so you, that's the best way to help. And then, um, you know, if I am in a spot where I need to open up another Give, Send, Go, or the same Give, Send, Go, or whatever it is, um, to meet the new care needs, uh, which uh, mount up really quickly, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be letting you guys know. So... All right, on that note, <laughs> not, not, uh, I hope everyone is ready for their favorite part. I, I'm curious to see whether, given we've been on so long, <laughs> really short unpops.
3: Short unpops? Oh, I was planning like a soliloquy.
1: <laughs> Three acts of soliloquy. Ah <laughs> now the moment you've been waiting for prepare to be mesmerized get on your tinfoil hats get out your pies for opinions more unpopular than an alpha male at a gender studies retreat it's the rundown zone unpopular opinions segment Great. I don't know if anyone can see the um, oops wrong wrong tab the uh, the video with the uh, feminist uh, retreat there but um, it actually the, the song whatever song they're singing on the uh, PowerPoint it says you are the rapist <laughs> <laughs>
6: what does cool. that even
3: mean
1: something in uh, feminist uh, trans uh, empowerment. Uh, Motivational retreats, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. So uh, I'm going to start, and this should prove to be a fairly unpopular opinion. So uh, in the intro video, and then we played the actual video, you saw AOC dancing, trying to do the Black Preacher style, and it failing miserably at it. Some people are good at it. She is not, um, among many other things she's not good at. And so, uh, but but interestingly, so she's complaining about removing Representative Elon Omar uh, and, and claiming it's all because of racism and sexism and all these things, not anti-Semitism. That's why they try to blast back with what actually is a fake news story. Marjorie Taylor Greene was not talking about Jewish lasers, and uh, well, it, did, it did lead me to that hilarious Mel Brooks video. So, um, but nevertheless. My unpopular opinion is Elon Omar is not being removed from a committee thing uh you know because of all these things what what are what's not being said what's the one group not being said in her removal well uh I can't say them either they <laughs> were <laughs> in the, the the space video uh, in the intro, and they're pretty much the reason why she is being removed. The one thing nobody wants to talk about.
3: Uh, that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, my unpopular opinion is uh, maybe considerably unpopular, uh, but we, I don't want to say too much, but basically uh, on Garen to this is to the trads out there germadahl is not the apparition uh, the apparition that you think it is i think it is a false apparition now i'm not going on anything that i've you know intuited on my own this is basically what i've read i know a lot of people are now doing a lot of research and they're holding on to a lot of uh, you know, not positive things, but, uh, things that, that, uh, seem to make sense. to seem to make sense. The shoe fits, you know, they're looking at a lot of perhaps, um, uh, prophecies that seem to make sense, especially in the time in which we're currently living. But a lot of things to keep in mind, uh, is, uh, yes, there are a lot of interesting things to take from the, from the alleged apparition, Uh, but one of the questions I'm asking myself in order to slow myself down, and I've been doing this for the last 20 years is how many visionaries we know from approved apparitions actually end up in the marriage state, you know, in a state of comfort, uh, and have this, uh, comfort or this life around them that's built around comfort. Um, and I draw this parallel because the same situation is happening with one that people readily agree might not be uh, an apparition from heaven, you know, and this is Medjugorje. So people make that conclusion for Medjugorje, but they don't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, see the same thing lining up with Bandal. But that is, in, in fact, the same case. And uh, the visionaries of Garimbandal, they're all married. Uh, second of all is uh, how many apparitions Uh, sorry, how many visionaries uh, have been made during an ecstasy to walk backwards. Uh, Walking backwards is not something that is ever seen as positive. It's seen as actually the opposite, seen as a manifestation of something that might be uh, evil. And so there's certainly a preternatural halo, if I use that expression, around Garibandal, but is it actually from heaven? The next thing I notice is when people ask for a miracle, uh, you know, in places like uh, uh, Our Lady of uh, Guadalupe. In the case of Our Lady of uh, Lords, and in the case of Our Lady of Fatima, the manifestations of these miracle was such that everybody was able to see, and everybody was in. Uh, was able to live, I would say, you know, we have miraculous water at Lord's, we have, uh, miraculous Tilma Guadalupe, and in Fatima, we have, uh, the miracle of the sun, you know, uh, and this, in, the, in these cases, people were asking for, you know, that miracle, you know, they wanted to see, well, show us our ladies, uh, is truly and really appearing here, show us something that we can believe, right? But, With Bandal, you have the the miracle that was shown to people was uh, the materialization of a host in one of the girl's mouth. You know, so a host materialized from thin air, appeared in her mouth, and that was the miracle. Things don't seem to fit, you know. When you talk about people asking, they want to believe they themselves experience something. The bishop experienced the tilma opening up, the flowers coming out. We have an image which we can hold and show today. In Mexico, uh, sorry, in, uh, in, at Lords, people have there to remind them daily of the water that sprung out from the earth that gives miracles. At Fatima, people there experienced wetness. They were rained on. They saw the sun dancing. They thought the sun was going to fall on them. They believed, uh, with Gary Brandall it seems to be something that was contained in that person who was saying, hey, this is the miracle. So it's not really hundred percent clear exactly what the miracle was, you know, because it's not truly manifested to the public in a way that they can themselves see and to judge for themselves. And the last thing, um, is our lady did warn us, uh, a lady of last let uh, warned us in the 20th century that there would be more manifestations of such things and that the devil is well and alive in the world, he's looking to deceive. And to a certain degree, a lot of things that we see today, especially in the 20th, 21st century, you know, we, we have to judge uh, things according to tradition. And if if I've listed all these things, which has happened according to, tr- to tradition, why do we turn a blind eye to, to just asking simple questions? I know people want to latch onto garbundal because it talks about three days of doubt, darkness, talks about some sort of illumination of minds and hearts. And this seems fabulous, but we have to ask questions. And because I'm asking these questions, I'm leaning my my opinion now is Garibandal may not in mm-hmm. fact be the apparition that people want it to be
2: my unpopular opinion is that whether we know it or not, um a lot of trads have become cultish, in the sense that they've latched on to their own specific home team, and are against any other possible away team. And actually against tradition, because our own home team, our own specific community, our own parish, whatever community you know provides priests for our parish, whether it be the uh, whatever group of state of a contest, whatever SSPX or resistance, whatever else. Um, so attached to their own specific home team that one begins to tell other people not to go to anybody else, but our own home team. Um, and and this isn't going to promote tradition precisely because each and every single group doesn't have places in every city all across the world. Um, sometimes you can only grab one specific group in a particular city and if you want the traditional mass, you have to go. And so we, we come to a, a crossroads. We either promote uh, a frequent reception of the sacraments and in the, in the living of a traditional Catholic faith or receiving the sacraments only exclusively from our home team. And so that's my popular opinion is that unconsciously, subconsciously, a lot of trads have have just simply built so much of a preference for their own specific home team. Um and not starting our preference of our own specific home team that it, it, it uh, doesn't promote the traditional Catholic faith but but oftentimes hinders it.
3: Uh, hi the idea of libertarianism proposes that the individual is the most important person in a society. So does communism. The idea of libertarianism is that you have the freedom to do whatever you want. So does communism. The idea of libertarianism is that everyone should is equal fundamentally in their value and should arrive at at, at some level of equality. So is communism. There is a link between libertarianism and communism, and we're not we don't talk about it that much. We don't talk about it enough anyway. A bunch of new converts to tradition especially on Twitter, our libertarians they say things like, we should never interfere with any other nation's internal affairs. They say less government, I want government out of my way. As if freedom, what's happening here? As if freedom uh, is, the, is the most important value. And they say things like, I want limited government so that people can do whatever they want as if we have the freedom to do whatever we want, as if we have the freedom to sin, the freedom to blaspheme, the freedom to tell lies, as if error has rights. So my unpopular opinion is that libertarianism is just communism. It is the precursor to it. It's linked to it inextricably. And we don't talk about it enough. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want Freedom is not the 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 pursuit of happiness or the or the or uh, the, the the pursuit of life, liberty, and property, and, and 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 the acquisition of material goods. Freedom is the ability to choose the good, the ability to choose the good, and a just society. In a just society. <clears throat>
1: freedom to choose the good in a just society you broke up after that
3: in a in a libertarian society there is no real good whatever the good is relative to what an individual person says it is whatever makes a person feel happy or feel fulfilled or feel justified or whatever it is there's no objective good in a libertarian society the first thing that gets dispensed with in the libertarian political party in the United States is booze and sex. Don't want any rules on booze or uh, any other substances or sex. That alone should tell you that libertarianism is morally bankrupt and it is a dead end. And until we can dispense with this idea that libertarianism is going to be the, the, the solution to our political problems, it's not libertarianism is communism there's just competing forms of liberalism but you can be a right-wing liberal or a left-wing liberal
1: okay so i do believe that's the end of the unpopular opinion segment thank you to everyone in the chat uh, the chat over on the rumble, um, all of trad Pat's listeners and supporters who came and waited, we thank you. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again when it'll work. Um, and he'll actually be here. So fingers crossed for that. Um, anyway, we leave you tonight, uh, with a reminder given that, uh, well, the unspecified virus of unspecified origin and all that is, uh, coming up again we want you to remember what they did
9: It's going to get worse
1: Wait, don't go yet.
3: <laughs> I have I have a very special guest for those of you that waited three hours. I want Isn't... you to hear his voice.
1: The
2: encore. Yeah, Yo, you're all a bunch of freaking
3: rat bastards. <laughs> 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 we have the man, the myth the legend, Trad Patrick. What are you doing <laughs>
1: of course we have him on mike's uh, audio
11: yeah we would <laughs> I, I know i know i i you know what i i, I couldn't even get any
1: signal to so literally like two seconds ago i ch- kevin chimed in for a second just to hear uh just to see what was going on and i heard you guys were sounding like a bunch of robots
9: uh <laughs> robots
1: <laughs> or some some kind of nonsense or whatever um But I am alive to everybody out there that, you know, hey, disappeared, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of reasons for uh, what we did. And um, I know Mike and Ryan and all them are privy to that. Um, At some point, Tred Patrick will
0: ride again. Um, I don't know when that's going to be, honestly. And I wish we would have had more time to do this tonight. Uh, Unfortunately, I just don't. but I think
1: what I'm going to try to do is maybe get together at some point when I'm driving with uh, Mike and Ryan and them, and maybe record a little something for all of you. But uh, listen, stay
3: frosty, all right? Um, stay frosty. Yeah. Words from Drypet. Thank you, friend. We'll talk yeah. to you soon. All right. <laughs>
1: there we are. Well, at least on the playback, we can say, all right, if you're only here for this, skip up to three (laughs) hours and uh, 10 seconds.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And thanks to our broadcasting partners at the Crusade Channel, crusadechannel.com, media the way it should be. Go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot, P-A-R-R-O-T-T, two r two T's and join because i have a feeling that trad patrick is going to be on the crusade channel and you may have to just pay to hear it
1: (laughs) all right good night everybody i have two
6: shotguns on my home they're locked in a safe there's a metal gun case we live in an area that's wooded Somewhat secluded. And i said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun. Buy
8: shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy shotgun. Buy shotgun shotgun.
5: You don't need a tank You, you don't, don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away, no
7: And I don't need a grenade launcher I don't need an F-15 There's just one thing I need to do And they'll stay away from me Fire two blast Outside the
9: house Buy a shotgun
7: Buy a shotgun You don't need them. a machine You don't need gun. 30
9: right rounds by shotgun, oh by the a double shotgun. Fired to blasts outside the house. By, by the shotgun. Doorbell.